Make him the cutest that I've ever okay. seen. Wait a bite of David McCullough. Are we live or are we live? The, the light is green. It says we're live. I'm going to go ahead and press the intro button. There it is. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. We at Coco Talk would like to thank the patrons who sponsor our show. So thanks go to Al Hartman, Alan Huffman, Alan Murphy, Blair Ledoux, Brendan Donahue, Brian Joyce, Brian Weasler, Christina Armstrong, D. Bruce Moore, Davey Mitchell, Diego, Disney Saints fan, Eric Canales, Fedor Stamen, Grant Leedy, Jason Bucata, Jason Downs, Jenna Farron, Ken Reichert, Kyle Etter, Malfunct, Michael Pitsley, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Richard Lorbieski, Rob Inman, Stephen Wagner, Steve Rob Bjork, Inman. Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tom C., Tom S., and Tim Lindner. Thank you ever so much, patrons. Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encourage, sense of humor recommended. If any off-color comments were made, we're sorry. Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calor computer. It's time to drop your socks, grab your real time clocks, and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8 bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8 bit world. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to everyone's favorite talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. We're talking about none other than Coco Talk, episode 165, where we're going to talk about, oh, I don't know, Coco? Coco Talk is rocking the <laughs> Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to everyone's favorite talk show. And let's get to the best part of the show right now. Let's just get to the dreamy Nick Marota. Everybody soak in dreamy Nick Marota. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't get any better than this. Good night, everybody. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. Wow, the Tandy Color Computer. Jim Brain would never be. <laughs> I feel objectified. I feel objectified. That's the fastest episode ever. Oh, it was. We got we got rid of all the crap. Oh, best we, one. Yes. <laughs> uh, Change it to 166. That's it. That's it. <laughs> it's like uh, being in the deli right now. All right. Well, we got Thank a great show in store for you for once. We've got all kinds of people here. We have got Mark Bosley in the house. Hello, Mark B. Hello. We have Mark D. Overholzer in the house. Hello, Mark. Hey there, glad to be here. We have the internet's own Grant Leedy. Grant Leedy's great for ratings. Welcome, Grant. Hey, 
how's it going, guys? We've got uh, we got our Hispanic member L. Curtis Boyle. Hello, everyone. That's Spanish for the Curtis Boyle. We've got Rondell Vole. Eagles today. Yeah, you do. You do. We've got a guy who likes to say, "Thank you." Yes, you're too kind, and thank you. We're talking about none other than Rick Adams. How you doing, Rick? Hello, hello there. Okay, yeah. it's the George Carlin soundalike contest right here. All right, <laughs> we got a guy who likes to say, "Stop right there," and he makes a lot of cables and things with toggle switches. It's Jason, the Coco Man Reichert. Hello, Jason. Hello, hello, and I don't like saying that. But I, I did it anyway. <laughs> you did it for the money, right? We got yeah, a... I, 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 I demanded fifty percent more than everyone else. Got. That's right, and I got it. We've got a guy who's got enough analog sense that would make you say, "Oh, Rocky." David O'Connor's here. Welcome, David. Hello, everybody. Welcome from the non-existent land down under. <laughs> there we go. We've got Mr. Dreamboat himself. Hey, Nick. Hey. I didn't, How are you doing? Good. Didn't mean to interrupt you from whatever you're doing. That was obviously more important than us, but uh, welcome oh, back. Oh, just, just yeah. typing one of my fans. <laughs> <I can't, laughs> just responding to some fan mail. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Isn't he dreamy? He is so dreamy. He's, he's booking his conference tour. Yeah, that's, right. Signing, that's, right. So. that's right. How much do you charge for an autograph? We got a guy who gets things that makes us jealous. Brian Weasler's here. Hello, Brian. Hello, all. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. We've got from Mission Control, Alan Murphy's here. Welcome, Alan. Howdy, howdy. The guy with the beard that gives uh, Nick Marota's hair a run for its money as far as being luxurious, Rick Eulens here. Hey, Rick. <laughs> howdy, folks. We've got Mr. Dave, 6809. Dave Veery's here. Welcome, Dave. Hey, guys. How are we all doing? Not bad, not bad. A guy who's, who's every time he creates a new game, Oh, right. Another Ferrari shows up in his garage. It's Nick Morentes. <laughs> g'day, everyone. Uh, g'day, g'day. We've got a celebrity in the house. Uh, Brian, the music man, Shoebring's here. Welcome, Brian. He's muted. And we got a guy who is he's occasionally known for being somewhat enthusiastic about being on the program. He shows up as being muted. Hopefully you're not muted. Um, David Ladd, are you there? David Ladd. Hello, everyone. Are you ready for a show today? <laughs> my greasel <laughs> is weast. My my weasel is greased. Yes, so it is. Uh, my my greasel is weast. <laughs> yes. So. Uh, <laughs> and Brian, the music man, Shubring, you are now unmuted. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. And it sounds like you got a lozenge for that throat. You no longer have that uh, thing going of on there. Of course, of course. All right, excellent, excellent. And I'm your host with the least, Stevie Stroh. Welcome to the program, everybody. Um, Brian, you mentioned you were kind of pressed for time today, right? Right, Brian Weasler. Yes. Yep. Yep. I got to step away a little bit later this afternoon here, so All right. I might not be here for the whole show. So, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna go ahead and let you get to your project update and acquisition, your show and tell segment. We'll go ahead and let you run with yours before we get into news, and then the rest of us who are not um, having time constraints, we could we could feature our stuff later. So, okay. uh, not to put you on the spot, but I'm putting you on the spot. Are you ready to show <laughs> and to tell, Brian Weasler? Yes. Yep. 
a uh, couple things I wanted to, to kind of share, and then I'll show the big one here that uh, I'm really was kind of excited about getting. Um, one thing that was kind of fun is uh, I found some cassettes out there. I know we've talked about these before, the ones that look like little uh, computers, computer reels. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a got a uh, four of them there, so those those are kind of fun. I I have a I have a couple of these that I actually used back in the day, and I don't know when I saw these out there, I just had to grab them up because they're just something. Something a little, little different about them. Well. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of fun, so. And then well, one that I got. A, go ahead. What brand are they? Are they are they uh, Tandy ones or are they? Yep. Yeah, they actually say TRS eighty right on the front cover there. Oh wow. So. Oh cool, cool. Oh yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, nice. Yep. I always like those type because they they would never you know the tapes are sometimes kind of alignment and they jam especially if you rewind them and fast forward them a lot and so those were lovely because they never would. Oh, because it has a little metal reel that it actually spools up onto. Yeah. Yeah, yep. I if like I said, when I do a lot of fast forward rewinding, the tape would get out of alignment and then it jams in there, and then you're like, got to work it through slowly and try to get it all straightened out. So, and that's when you grab the pencil with the eraser and you start to turn it manually like that. Yep, <laughs> carefully. <laughs> yep, exactly. There's a there's a quicker method. You get it and you you, you get the tape and you you tap it on your leg like that. I've tried that, but sometimes it gets so jammed it won't do that. So, ah, yeah, okay, very jammed up tape then. And then uh, something I also stumbled across, it might be kind of fun because I've, I've wanted to make a joystick or two, but uh, this is actually a, a Radio Shack part. Okay. That is a, it is a joystick. I posted some pictures out on, uh, uh, out on Facebook, but it, it, it has both uh, potentiometers on it. They're the 100K, just like the, the, uh, um, the, the candy ones like, do. looks like the type that go in the RC controllers. It looks like a replacement module. So if you have one oh, okay. like, yeah. controllers. It has some screws. It even comes with a little uh, aluminum handle. Mm, yeah, like neat. the like the Black Beauties that have the uh, the metal yeah, handle. So, yeah, yeah. It's just kind of a fun little find. I thought it might be kind of interesting. Yeah, cool. And then um, one here that was kind of fun. This came all the way from over the pond, from over in the UK. Across the pond, as we say. Across, yeah. across the pond, yes. Yeah. Oops, let me get it out of, out of this packaging here. Only because I find uh, joysticks kind of interesting. This one here, it's a company called. I'm gonna maybe uh, you guys can look at the name here. Is it? How would you pronounce that? There, Volt. Voltmace. Delta. Voltmace or Voltmus? Delta. Voltmace Delta. And the joystick looks like this. Wow, that is neat. That's similar to the oh, cool. Dragon stick. Dragon. Now, is that a self-centered spring-loaded stick? Yes, it is. Okay. Yep. Now, does that have Whoa. the uh, five pin in like the Coco connector? Yes, it does. Yeah, but it has the uh, it has the uh, the five pin. Okay. Oh, cool. That's Ooh. probably for the Dragon then. Oh, yeah, it was uh, it was it's... it was listed on the Dragon site. Okay. But, uh, yep. But it yeah, it's uh, brand new. This, yeah, this button here doesn't really do much. I, if it does, I I don't know. Maybe it's more maybe of a left-handed. Maybe but, it's uh, a, t a rapid fire or something. Um, I'll have to try that. Try that on a Are game there any, um, I just, I just, I was just playing it with this one here. And uh, is there any insert in the pamphlet, a pamphlet or anything that came with it? No, 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 no little documentation, and, and the outside just, just has the uh, part numbers on it. So no. Okay. I might be able to go out and look, and maybe uh, I mean, there might be something out online. Maybe someone might have scanned in or something. But uh, it even the says made. Right. Even says made in. Let me get the light there. That's hard to see. They're made in England. In England. Jolly yep. good, so, jolly England. good. I think that, that 
I think that right-hand button there isn't that third button. That's designed to put out the dumpster fire, isn't it? That's, why it doesn't work. <laughs> that's the rage quit button. When you're doing <laughs> really bad in the game. So, yeah. the, no, that's no, the abort. You press button. that button, you go flying out of your chair. It's the ejector seat button. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, uh, maybe it was three weeks ago, I showed this, I showed this color computer here uh, that I acquired. Okay. It's the one that has the, uh, it has the composite board that's yes. installed from yeah. the factory. Okay. And the model oh, number on this one, what's that? The educational one. The educational one, yeah. And its model number is 26-3128. Wow. Well, I came across, and let me do this real quick, gentlemen. I'm going to switch my cameras here. There we are. Ooh, the fancy. A little bit. So here's one here. It's a, it looks better on the picture. It's actually quite yellowed right okay. through here. And this one here is that same model number. But it's a 263128A. I don't know. Is it coming into focus at all for you guys? Uh, not too much, no. Not too much, though? Okay. Well, the thing I really wanted to show, so this is a, it's a similar model, but what's really cool about this one. The composite's in a different position. It's a different position, and you can actually switch it between color and monochrome. And monoc monochrome. Uh, color and monochrome, yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. So that was really cool. And the thing that's unfortunately not coming into focus, that this one really made me. That's here. Sorry, guys. Look at him. I'm trying to look at the screen. The serial number the serial is all number. zeros and a one. And a one. Is that the one you got oh, from Canada? Did that come from Canada? Mm. Yes, it is. Okay, I saw yep. that one. I saw that yep. one in Canada. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So this is zero 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 one. That so is neat. That kind of, that's cool. That was kind of, that's I was really good. excited to get this one. So does it say color on there? Yeah, uh, actually it does. Well, on the uh, on the front it says just color computer, but on the back here. I don't know, it's probably not going to come into focus very well, but it has the uh, the different, you know, the uh, it's not going to come into focus. Sorry, but it has the uh, it has the color on okay. the back of it there. The so, proper yep. the proper pronunciation of color. Um, you can kind well, of see the yellow in here now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, the, so the thing I'm debating about is whether to. I've been doing some retro writing lately of some other systems, and I'm really debating whether to break the seal and make this thing look pretty. I, I, I really want to. I might go ahead and break the seal just to make this thing look look proper. Here, so. here, I have something that can make it look pretty. Hold on. We just put up this picture. Just put a picture of Nick Morota on there, and that'll, that'll, be, that'll be all you need Nick's right there. fan mail spikes. Yeah. Isn't he dreamy? Yeah, Ron Del has got stickers he put on his cocoa. You can get a Nick Morota sticker for your cocoa, and... There Boom, you go. Increase the resale value, especially if it was yeah, an autograph, like, like trading like cards. Like I demand a royalty on that. <laughs> that should be the next impulse item in the next Cocoa Fest. Is, uh, <laughs> is the sticker. Yeah. When you see things listed on eBay, what is it, the New York Times or whatever? Yes, that, that yes. Kind of a thing there? Yeah. yeah, it's the Nick Morota, Nick Morota Tiger Beat magazine edition of the Cocoa. So, um, Did that Cocoa Times. come from Quebec? Uh, is that a Quebec Cocoa? I don't know if it if actually I can't remember where I'd have to look at the shipping to see where it came from. I didn't uh, I, think, I don't have the tag in front of me. I think me and Steve were looking at that one a couple yeah. months ago, eh? Is that the one? Yeah. Uh, I did, I actually just got this um, ten about a little over a week about ten days ago. Hmm. So I think last not this past Wednesday but the Wednesday before. So yeah. So it was out there on uh, out on eBay for I think it was up for it was up for auction for six days now whether somebody had listed it before or not, but uh, I didn't notice it at first when I saw it because it just looked like any other uh, cocoa and then I started scrolling through the pictures and then this caught this is what caught my eye so so I was looking at it but uh, yeah 
Nate. Yeah, when I had uh, I had gotten a composite mod installed on my White Cocoa One back in the day, and it had three leads coming out. There was one for audio, there was one for composite color, and one for composite mono. So I'm assuming the mono basically just lacked a little color burst or something to not muddy up the picture on the on the monochrome screens, and that's probably yes. what that switch is doing is just cutting off color burst or something like that. Actually, if you want to see it, I can uh, I can plug in a couple cables if you guys want to see it. If someone else wants to talk about something, I can plug in real quick and you can see it up on the screen. Sure. Yeah. The MC one three seven two the video demultiplexer chip actually has um, composite in the form of um, S-video signals on its pins. So you can actually get a composite, a full color, a color composite signal and a black and white signal directly off that chip. Is that the VDG? Uh, no, 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 the one three, the MC-13, what is it, 1372, I think? Okay, one three four. what is that? Yeah, what? the 1372 is a modulator chip. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mr. Dave can tell you all about them and letting the magic smoke out. <laughs> I nearly let magic smoke out of mine when I was designing my composite mod. <laughs> P51 space modulator. Yes. <laughs> it was a small fire, Mark. Just a small fire. <laughs> it's more eluding. Okay, so that's very bright. The color is kind of overdriven there. That was, So that's in the color mode, right? That's in the color mode here. So then. Yeah, okay. Switch. So that just kills the, uh, the color burst, I guess, right? Mm hmm. Yeah. Nice and clean, though. Uh, very clean. Color, very clean composite. Yeah, I really. Yeah, very nice. I mean, it's a it's that factory installed one there, and it's just really, really pretty exciting. I really like it. Uh, I was uh, kind of struggling a little bit with uh, with the what type of a plug to get for it, and I realized um, when I asked the question out on Facebook, uh, what I had was a uh, one of the plugs that has the yellow, red, and white, so it has uh -huh. the stereo yeah. connector on it. Yeah. And when I switched. To one that had just the just the just two. Like, a, like a stereo plug basically yeah. if you want to say no video that was the ticket so yeah. having that extra uh i want to say not really prong but, but yeah, extra that. contact on the plug yeah it, it's not connecting correctly inside the composite port and uh when i switched to that and then plugged in everything was nice and clear so there you go yep so, now that, that's yeah. a beauty that is a beauty so that's, that's the, the same chasm color script sit mode there yeah yeah <laughs> That's the same connector I've got on my MC10 that I have not had a chance to look at since I've had it now for like three just, or four days. Yeah. Let's go back to color again on that for a sec. Yeah, it's super bright. Like it that is kind green, of bright there. The, it, the it, green it, is bleeding through the yeah. text. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah, looks yeah, good. It looks good on my monitor over here. I have a splitter on it, so okay. on my monitor it's a nice green. Uh, this is going yeah. through one of those um, dazzle uh, composite uh, USB. Yeah, uh, yeah, and you could probably in your software settings, you could probably turn down the hue or something on that to soften it a bit. Yeah, no, yeah, but that's on, great. Uh, up that, on a Mazda, it looks great. So yeah, yeah that is super clean, clean. though. Super clean. Duper is, clean. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a beauty, mate. Just one last thing. Oops, sorry. That's a beauty, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing I wanted to share, and I was going to post some pictures. There was a, I think Stevie, you had commented on it. The, a guy had done some retro brighting, um, and uh, he. Uh, tried to use i think water that might have been too too warm and he oh. actually melted his keys okay kind of retro bright didn't you i, I think someone you guys might have okay seen yeah, i remember seeing the picture yeah work. so he was asking if anybody had some keys they could spare right keyboards and stuff and, and, he had, uh, and i had shared some pictures out on facebook of a computer that i was um uh retro brighting let's see here where's my share button here 
puts a whole new meaning on the word melted keyboard. <laughs> he did. He, he really did melt his keyboard. Oh shoot! I'm not seeing my. Oh, well, I had to stop sharing on mine. So. Oh, I'm sorry. So I'm sorry. go ahead. Go ahead. You're good. Okay, so uh, here's some pictures that I had. Oh, bring it over here. Sorry. There see you it. go. Oh. So, so here's a here's a. It's not coming through very well, but there's actually some writing here. This one was kind of. I, I started to clean up a little bit. You can see here. Uh, can you see this writing right yeah, here? Someone yeah, wrote a it, Someone wrote like $25 on it. Okay. And the, the, the method, the reason I wanted to share was the, I think some of you folks have done retro writing before. And for me, what really, really worked well was using this product here. It's a, it's a, a clear, the liquid uh, peroxide. Okay. Uh, this uh, 40V. And then I used a tub like this. I found this at, at Walmart for oh, $10. Okay. okay. And what's really nice is that it has this gasket that goes around it. And when I put the water in there enough to just cover the, the case with the peroxide, I probably maybe put, I don't know, maybe a cup and a half in there. Okay. In the sun, because it's closed like this, it actually heated up the water. Oh, wow. So, so you kind of boiled that son bitch. Yeah. And so it wasn't like, I mean, it wasn't hot. I mean, like, I think that guy might have had uh, maybe too hot of water, obviously. Okay. But uh, it's obviously uh, more than just lukewarm. So the combination of the warm water with the peroxide and the UV from the sun uh let's see here you can see here's a picture right here and it's completely gone yeah yeah and it, and it really whitened up really nice now what did you do oh. for the badge did you like put some painter's tape over that badge or something to protect it uh, or well this badge here was already um it looks like it was already kind of faded right it was kind of pre, yeah, pre-faded yeah this one was already faded and so i really didn't worry about trying to salvage this one and it didn't it didn't make it any worse okay um but i do have some that i'm working on right now and i'm actually taking the badges off just okay. by getting a real thin screwdriver right here and once you get underneath the bottom of that badge and just push it straight across it it peels off really nice and then i use some thin double-sided uh tape like double-sided scotch tape and uh to re-adhere it back on there does again. applying but, a little bit of heat help them come up at all a little heat I, and then... you have a little bit of heat there you can see here on the bottom you can actually see its little tan line right here yeah from the uh, warranty sticker <laughs> yep and oh, yeah, right. when i was all done retro brighting it you can see the difference here wow and oh well, wow. you can just see. A you can very barely see shadow. it. Yeah, you can barely see it now. Yeah. Yep. So, so that that those three combinations: the heat, the. And what uh, what state are you in? Iowa. Iowa. So apparently you've got yep. adequate sunshine there. Yeah. Yep. Out on the back deck there, I was able yeah. to get some good sunshine. Uh, it was probably it took about four hours. Okay. In the tank there, so yep. Wow. I really and, like the look of those um, the white case cocoa the, the full size white case ones. Yeah. 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 And um, having that seal, too, would kind of keep the evaporation back inside. So as it evaporated, it would just condensate, and you have probably less water loss at that point, right? So Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, because I think also, too, like the, the peroxide, I don't know if it would evaporate out of the water or not, but it. Um, I've only been adding to it. I've done three different cases now, and I've only added just maybe another uh, cup of peroxide over the past I would imagine uh, it days. would. it's probably going to work the same way water does. You, you know what the... the um, you know that water is H2O and peroxide is this H2O2. So it's really, it's all the same stuff. So I'd imagine yeah. it has to work the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Just evaporate away. And that, and that foam seal seems to work really well. So yeah. No, that's really cool. That's a cool process. Uh, I might be tempted to try that. What was the mixture of water to peroxide? Like half and half or? Um, no, I probably have, I'm going to guess maybe two gallons of water and maybe up at this point here, probably about two cups of peroxide. Oh, so maybe, really? Really? Yeah. So it's, it's not, uh, um, not a high concentration like 50 50 or anything like that oh, so. okay wow. really really 
Okay. Very cool. <laughs> very, very cool. So, yeah, I've been, kind of, I've been wanting to do some of that, and I got some cases. So, the, 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 this color computer I just showed you, I'm really tempted to uh, to do it just to make it look look pretty, only because it's kind of a unique system. And and uh, it's nice to keep the warranty sticker intact, but uh, this one might be worth it just yeah. to make it look nice. So. Now, does anybody know, has anybody heard from Carlos Camacho lately? Does he still have the badges? Because he had some of the square badges and the bar badges for Coke for uh, Ram and for Tandy Cocoa type stuff. Yep, I actually I bought some about a month ago from him. Okay, okay. So that would and be he's nice. He's been active on Facebook, though he hasn't been on you know in the chat here or anything. For a okay, while. all right. So that's a good source if you need some of those um, kind of sp space bar um, looking badges that go across the uh, Coco ones. Uh, he's got. Some they look of those. really good too. They're yeah. really good quality. Yeah. Um. So yeah, if you find yourself where you got one that's just in really bad shape, a nice new replacement would be a good thing to have, right? Now here's the here's the ones that I I picked up from him. Okay, yeah, those look really yeah. good. Yep. Yeah. And those are kind of bubbly. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah kind of a, a little bit of a little bit of a that, that bubbled up plastic okay. that's over the top of them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Neat. And Very yeah, cool. He ships, he ships them out real quick too. Now, so. do you have this? Does he have the square ones too that go like in the corner above the keyboard, like to say 32k or 64k or whatever? Yep. Right here. Okay, 64K RAM. Look at that. Yep. <laughs> your one-stop shop for all yep. your badge and button needs, huh? Yep. Uh, I, don't, I, I, I don't know if he has his he, – he's talked about having a website that he wanted to put up. I don't know yes. if he has that up or not. I just messaged him through Messenger. And right, right, right. Well, yeah. way, so. I believe the website itself, the, the, the domain name is colorcomputerstore.com, but I don't know if he ever got that. That's the site name, but I don't know if he ever set up his e-commerce site. Um, that's what he does for his day job. He does real e-commerce sites. So he's been wanting to do a Cocoa e-commerce site. I just don't know if he's gotten to it yet or not. Um, okay. Well, I'm, I'm done dominating okay. the show. Right. <laughs> enough, enough about you. Enough about you. Let's hear about you. All right. Well, how about we do this? We're going we're gonna to take a commercial break before we go into news. And... Uh, you know what? We're going to play a commercial that we don't play as often. So we'll be back after these words, and then we'll be back with some news from L. Curtis Boyle. After these messages, we'll be right back. The Bakers. Now they like a family present. Let's see now. Candy's color computer system with its own carry-home pack. That's a family affair. Wow, Dad, a color computer. The computer cassette recorder. And Aussie Accountant, that's for me. And Ausquid, for my school project. And two joysticks, and a beaut game. Okay, who's the expert? Me, Dad. Thank you, Tandy. Uh, Sam. I'm too sexy for my love. Too sexy for my love. Love's going to leave. Hi there, this is Mark Overholzer, and you're watching Coco Talk, the world's leading weekly talk show where you can join in. Hey, come watch us and see what's happening in the world of Coco. All situations depicted in this trailer actually happened. This true story has been anonymized to protect the guilty.
living in the dead of winter, a group of bored teenagers, Blue Stuff Pup, learned code cracking, learned phone freaking, hijacked and hacked. No system was safe. No one could catch them, or so they thought. story at the dawn of the internet system hacked you can leave your head on every christmas santa's little helpers go shopping at radio shack It's time for everyone's favorite part of the show. Well, we're talking about, of course, dreamy Nick Marota. But the second favorite part of the show is news with L. Curtis Boyle, our favorite foreign correspondent. What's new this week, L. Curtis? First of all, I'd like to say that we're, we're probably the second favorite because we're the ones that help people have their nap time during the show. So. <laughs> as, as Mikey <laughs> says, snoozy, newsy time. So. <laughs> Hey, first up, Canadian Retro Things. I'm not sure if he's in chat right now or not, but uh, has a video of how to fix some glitches he had on his MC10. Now, his MC10, kind of like yours, Steve, he had that custom 8K ROM. Yeah. Or 8K RAM mod, I should yes. say. Um, so now he's fixed it up thanks to some uh, tips that he received that actually will work properly with the 16K module. Okay. And I don't know if you remember the video we showed before, but it yeah. used to be the video was all glitched up and he was trying to play some games and it was just a mess. Mm -hmm. And it's all completely fixed now. So he goes through the process of what he had to do and uh, you know what, what exactly had to be done to fix it. So I won't play the video, obviously, but uh, check that out. Well, we are YouTube. very lucky to have a famous YouTube celebrity with us in this community. Thank you, Canadian Retro Things. Next up, uh, Phil Harvey Smith has some photos of the first factory-produced versions of the circuit board for replacement power supply for the Dragon. Ooh. So he's done some prototyping stuff, kind of like we've seen, uh, what's his name? Who's doing the uh, salt chip replacement. Okay. <clears throat> but now Terry, he's actually getting uh, Terry into... Terry Trap. Right. Yeah. So this is what the board looks like. Now, he did discover there's a few glitches on this one he's going to have to fix up on the final run, but these are fixable enough that he can actually sell these. 
Okay. Before he gets into the main, you know, redesign. Yeah, these and are really I cool. I think he's using like some sort of like a laptop type of power uh, power adapter to plug in through the back there. They're really cool. I've been kind of watching this. There it is installed. Neat, wow. Neat looking, neat looking layout. It looks like it's going to be a lot smaller than whatever used to be in there. Yeah, if those screw mounts on the right there are indica indicative yeah. of what the original now, size is. Now, is this, uh, would this also be, is he designing this for European 220 only, or is this going to be like uh, self uh, up, auto switching or whatever they call that? The mm. transformer's external, so it shouldn't matter. It's, I mean, oh, as long as you're uh, putting in the 5 volts DC or whatever it needs? Yeah, it also needs like a 9 volt AC for the um, okay. for the RS-232 portion on the, okay. the 64K ones, but... Maybe so what's the connect five. so is the connector on that um if it needs nine volts ac as well is it a multi-pin connector yeah. or is it just a dc connector it might just be a barrel connector it might just be five volts if it's for the dragon 32 it probably doesn't need the nine volts ac because it's got okay. some dc to dc converters here hmm. yeah the the dragon 32 just needs five plus five and plus 12. the negative 12 is if you have rs-232 so it's since the it does not it's just the plus five and plus twelve. Okay. So the DC converter is obviously stepping five volts up to twelve. I would imagine. Okay. Would this work with the Dragon sixty four then, which does have the serial port? Yes, yes, it can. You just if you if you're not piping negative twelve in, you just you can't use that. Um, I was playing around with that on mine. Um, I have a uh, I have a breakout board that you can use with a PC power supply where you plug it, uh, that AT connector into it. Um, and I, I was playing around with that a little bit and I had my 64 running with just plus five and plus 12. So it works fine. Okay. So you're basically meaning you're powering the dragon. You're just not powering the serial port. Correct. Yep. Okay. 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 I'm glad you had hardware guys were here to explain all that. Cause I didn't even understand it. Never yeah. mind. Could have told you what it was. Yeah. <laughs> what I kind of like about his board there is that if you kind of go back to that previous picture, um, yeah, right there. Uh, to the left of it, there's that there's the hole on the side there where um, uh, I'm trying to remember what that's the reset button okay. would set. Um, I like his board because I'm thinking about if, when he makes them available buying it because the Coco VGA, I could use that port right there for the uh, video connector to go out right there, and I think it would set nicely right in that little pocket. Hmm. So I could hook up my Coco VGA and then have the video out right there in that little hole where, the, where the reset button okay. would go. Okay, so the hole is just above the reset switch, which is on, which is basically facing the left side of the case there, right? Yes. Where that little yep. spring-loaded thing is. Yep. So there's a hole just above that. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay, and and that the Coco VGA is like that little basically S video looking connector, right? Yep. You think that'll flush up there nice and pretty? I'm hoping so. It looks like there's the right amount of room there. I just remember when our, our standard for pretty is Nick Marota on the cover of Teen Beat magazine. So is it going to be is it going to be this level of pretty? Uh, I don't think have, that's possible. We but, have standards no. on this show. So. <laughs> level dream. Oh my ego. Uh, that's very soft. He'd be stroking yeah. his ego. All right. So cool. I love seeing stuff like this. Yeah. Ego to sleep. Yeah. It is nice because the, those uh, the, the PSUs are uh, becoming scarce. There's there's a lot of dragons out there that are available for purchase, but so many of them don't have the power adapter. Yeah. So. Okay, here we go. We've got some official correspondence here from Karen, a.k.a. Sixy from the U.K. He says, FYI, on the Dragon 64 at least, the negative 12-volt rail is used 
to feed a regulator on the main board to generate negative 5 volts, which is needed for the video circuitry, I think. But you're saying you got it working on a 64, though, right? I had it working on a 64. Now I have my Coco VGA connected to it, so maybe it oh. might have been working differently. I'm not sure. Okay. But but that I was playing with it because I, I, I pulled the plug off of the negative 12, and it was running fine, so I'm not sure. Right. Yeah. Also noticed on that board, it specifically had a five volt video fuse. Perhaps okay, that has something to do with that. Okay, yeah, I noticed there was a handful of physical fuses on there too. Some because I, I remember when mm -hmm. you posted your picture, Brian, Phil had given you was it Phil or somebody else said, "Please be careful about this, this, and that." And he had told you a few things to be careful for as far as if you know maybe having a fuse in a power supply because something could um, blow something up in your dragon. Do you remember that? Yes, I was. Uh, what I was looking. Okay. Yep, yep. What I was looking at doing was using a smaller PC power supply. Right. I found one that would fit inside for uh, the back of the dragon, and then I was going to use a breakout board. And obviously, the PC power supply is capable of providing more current than the uh, the dragon needs. And so he was saying to put like a, a, some fuses in place uh, just to prevent any uh, shorting, so you don't fry your board. So okay. Yeah. Right. Yep. Fire breathing dragon. Fire <laughs> breathing dragon. It nice. would be, yes. <laughs> Let all the smoke out. <laughs> right here, smoking. Okay. Get uh, smoke next, next, Sorry, good. Okay, ne no. next up, uh, Jim Gary's uh, been working on porting the sort of Fargoal, which was an old uh, Commodore Pet game originally, but it was one that Epic sold and actually sold on multiple systems afterwards. Now, I'm not going to play the video in this case here because there's an update that's in the Game On News segment. Okay. Um, but basically, he had posted this, I think, on Sunday, and, and he's got the gameplay. He, he was going through debugging. He wanted some testers to come and try it, and then he's also asked if anybody wants him to port to the Coco. And uh, it's a pretty interesting uh, game using the Lobus graphics, one of the better ones, even as, like, you know, shadowing where you can only see around your character, and it gradually builds a map as you're going. Oh, neat. So, like <clears throat> rogue, so I'll show that in the game on kind news of like segment rogue -like, there. Kind of like roguelike, right? Yeah. But just as of, I think, yesterday, the day before, I th he re actually released it. So I think he's basically had some people debugging and testing it over the week, as of course the week went through. So I don't know if he's still looking for people to test it and, and report bugs or if he's pretty well got them worked out. But uh, we'll play the video in the actual Game On segment Okay. Um, later on in the show. Hello, Ben Drake's just joined us. Hey, Ben. Okay. Sub the Software. Yep. You know, Alan Huffman, I was hoping he was going to be here to see if he's figured anything further out. <clears throat> Basically, what he's been doing is he's been going through some old papers and things uh, from, you know, back in the day in the 80s. And uh, this is from when he's learning machine language. He found this, you know, source code listing here with no comments and, and just he didn't even know address. So he doesn't even know where it was. So he's been <laughs> trying to go through and figure out what the heck is this thing doing? <clears throat> and I, he went through it and he's thought maybe originally it was part of the terminal program that Rainbow wrote because they wrote this thing called Remote Term. And there's two versions of 183, 185. And it was basically if you wanted to run your own BBS, you could actually set up the Cocoa in BASIC to allow BASIC programs to run through the BitBanger port. And people could, you know, log in your computer and, and you know, do whatever they want. Or you can make it a remote terminal in your own house if you wanted to for disk BASIC. So he originally thought it was that because it is playing around here. Uh, you can see the story 16A story X16B, which is one of the vectors that BASIC uses. Okay. Um, so he was trapping that. Basically, what the code is doing is it's taking the original vector that BASIC itself sets up, making a copy of it in his own routine that he loads in, and then his own routine then jumps through back to where BASIC would have gone in the first place. So this code is inserting itself into BASIC itself. 
uh, but I guess he did some fiddling around. He figured that wasn't it. So now he doesn't have a clue. So now he was actually asking for some help <laughs> on uh, see if anybody can go through and figure it out here. Oh, it looks like we got a response. So, from looks William like William's Astle. added in a response. Yeah. I haven't read yet, but okay. anyway, it's a pretty interesting uh, thing. And he's actually got quite a few of these sheets lying around, I guess. So expect more of these to show up on his blog. Uh, of you know mis mystery code that he's had lying around for decades. So Fallout for the mystery code. <laughs> I've actually got a few of these myself. I should probably do the same thing. I've also got old maps I found from some of the old games. Like I had mapped out Rad Warrior and I'd mapped out Gates of Delirium and <coughs> Loser. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. Something in my throat. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you're so you're saying there's gonna be plenty there's gonna be plenty more sheet to come out later. Yeah. <laughs> Look forward to more sheet on this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah Alan's just full of sheet, so it's. Uh... Mm -hmm. ah. Hey, Ed Snyder here uh, decided to do some experimenting because you know he doesn't have enough to do. No. Um, <laughs> so he made, he's making another run of Kokomet keyboards, and he thought he'd try black keycaps. Now, unfortunately, whatever pigment, as he points points out in the poster, whatever pigment they used did not lend itself to high contrast color change via the fiber laser. He's got lasers, Laser. as I'd hoped. Freaking How lasers. well things mark is highly independent or highly dependent on the formulation of the plastic. So the shots you're seeing here, which actually are fairly easy to see, is because he's lighting it at an angle and you can kind of see. But if you're yeah. looking at it dead on, it's it's kind of hard to see. That's cool. So cool. It's uh, like a stealth keyboard. So they're kind of engraved. So they're not they're not colored in. But you know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of the D&D &D dice. So just get a white crayon and you can color in those things. So Yeah, you could. <laughs> <laughs> or you could just buy a bunch of really intense LEDs, maybe insert them inside of each key and maybe it'll glow through like uh, Dave yeah. does. No, I like this, though. I think <laughs> it's cool. I'm thinking, you know, this would be cool. Now you got the blackout keyboard. We got the blackout uh, Coco SDC. Um you know, black is beautiful. So, yeah, and if you take some of the original D and E board Coco ones, if you wipe all, rub all the uh, gray paint off, they're black underneath too. So. Yeah, so. the later ones I, I think bet, were white, weren't they? The upboards. I bet you could spray those with something and then wipe the the high parts off, leaving the whatever you spray it with in the in the grooves. Yeah, yeah. with radium. And I do like that that added now, like whereas manufacturing the actual Kokomet keyboards himself actually put a self portrait of himself yeah. on the keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> so, Cylon for the win. Uh -huh. yeah. I, I, he's trying to compete with the uh, the Nick Morota cuteness factor here. Yes. Yeah. So. <laughs> we'll pull that up real quick just for everyone to see there. So yeah, that's good. So, um. <laughs> Bart. Next up, Bart Van Den Acker of the Home Computer Museum in the Netherlands. Uh, he has this little thing with the museum where he does like a computer of the day. And this one he uh, posted, of course, is the Coco uh, 64K Coco in North America, the Color Computer 2 in, in Australia and in Europe, which is the original full size case, mm -hmm. but with the white melted keyboard oh, and the white yeah. casing. And so as he good. mentions here, um, today's computer of the day is a special one. It's the very first computer of Bart, the founder of the museum. It's a Tandy Tiercetti Color Computer 2. Mind you, the U in color is here. So it's properly spelled. Color. And then he kind of goes and describes a little bit of what it was. But uh, we've, we've seen it on some of the it videos. It sounds put like you're before, saying the word but, color, uh, but with the U in nice. it. Actually, there was what? a computer of the day featured on the site. Very nice. Next cool. up, Todd Wallace um, has done basically a version of Dur now for Nitrous 9, because he's been learning the semi-language Nitrous 9, and he, as he was learning about fonts before. So his new DUR is actually an MS-DOS style DUR that actually prints out if you're familiar with running DOS. You know, the oh, fields yeah. are in the same the directory order. Directory, folder, in parentheses, there are brackets there, yeah, DUR. Yeah. Uh, 
the the free space on your drive is an option at the end because it's a lot slower doing it under OS nine because of the way the directory map is done. Ah, okay. Or the bit the bitmap for the sectors, I should say. So on a like a full size Coco SDC, you can take like five to ten seconds just to calculate that. So you get this nice durin that it pauses and thinks for a while and then comes through and prints that. So it's a option flag he's got, but it looks kind of nice. And of course, he's using his CGA based font that he did as well. Yeah. So it really looks like an MS DOS machine. Yeah. Yeah. That is cool. Yeah. And he's actually got it up for download. So if anybody wants to insert that onto their Nitrous 9 ease of use or a regular Nitrous 9 image and use that dir instead of the stock ones or the other three or four that we've got as options. Uh, Dragon Bites is in the chat. He says, I'm trying to optimize the speed of this free space routine, though. So it can be default later. There you go. Yeah, I know him and William Astle have been going back and forth in some um, ways to do that. And I suggested you could use the fact that the Coco 3 gives you an 8K data area in Nitrous 9, no matter what you actually ask for. And because this is Cocoa 3 specific, he doesn't have to worry about trying to run on level one. So you could like buffer in a good chunk of the thing and then just zip through it in RAM. And then, you know, instead of reading one sector at a time, which is slower. Right. So Neat. I love that, that font. I love that IBM font. Yeah. And it's got most of the, the graphic characters. So if you wanted to port a DOS game, I mean, there's most of them there. And the few that are missing, you could create a second font that you could just switch to if you need those, you know, the happy faces and stuff. But all the line drawing and crosshatch, you know, fill-in stuff, all that stuff's there. I see David Ladd Snipes game in the future. Network. Yeah, David mm -hmm. Ladd, get on that. Next up, um, now, Stevie, I think you probably know more about this because I haven't been able to get into Discord much, and I saw that you guys were talking on there a few times. Um, that uh, Richard has officially announced that as of this Monday, coming up in two days, June 22nd, the Coco SDC uh, board that he's manufacturing, because Ed, of course, is so busy with Gimme X and Coco VJ manufacturing and a ton of other projects, making mini MPIs, MP, mini MPIs, MC10 boards, everything else. Uh, we needed a second source for what is, you know, the, the most required third-party piece of hardware for the, any of the Cocos. Um, so now we have a second source. As of Monday, you can order them from Richard. Um, he's going to be selling them with cases and they're not with cases right now. The case version will be coming out in middle July, I believe. Mm -hmm. And then he'll be able to sell that as a package. Did you have anything further to add, Stevie? From talking not to really. Him? He announced this on the show too, that, that he was in, intending to do this, but now it's official. Um, I, I believe he had mentioned earlier that David Ladd was going to be a source for 3d printed cases. And I'm assuming David is maybe just not ramped up for production yet, which is why this first run will be board only. I don't know if David's here, if he can speak to that, to when he'll be able um, to... Due to issues with my 3D printing, I have not gotten anywhere for printing. Yeah, yeah. So, printer's not working correctly yet. Okay. Okay. Are you the only now, source for cases for him, David? That is something you'll have to ask him. So John Strong used to make cases for And I'm sure he still does. You could. But I think I think as far as Richard was as far as Richard selling them with cases, I'm I think his original intent was to get those cases from David. Right. Um, probably in bulk and then just you know send yeah. them out with the But yeah, you can get your cases from wherever wherever you get your cases, right? There's there's ones on Thingiverse if you've got your own printer where you can print your own case. Um uh, John Strong sells a standard and deluxe case, so you could reach out to John. Um, I don't know if you have this in the news article too, but I think Neil Blanchard also just posted recently. He's got some Coco SDCs for sale with cases and yes. a handful of colors. Multiple colors. A handful yep, of colors. Oh, okay. Uh, no, I missed that one. So. And just uh, one thing to add, the Thingiverse, you don't necessarily have to have your own 3D printer. There oh. are some people that will print them for you. Okay. There you go. So, yeah. Oh, good. 
So there you have it. So yeah, there are ways to get cases, but I guess in this first initial offering, these will be sans case until the whole, uh, you know, board of case distribution can be worked out. Um, I'm, yeah. I consider myself lucky for two reasons. Number one, I love how the blackboard looks. And I have right now the extra clear acrylic case that David Ladd sent me. That was the Tim Lindner first run of the two pieces of the clear acrylic. I think this black board would look super cool in a clear case. So I'm going to order one of just the board anyways, because I want to, I want to be able to see that black board in the clear case. Cool. Yeah. So he'll be selling them for $58 just for the board. And then the uh, complete mid July one with the FCC case around it, it will be $75. Cases will come in black primary and also white, blue, and purple as special orders. Okay. Very nice. I posted a link to Neil's uh, Facebook post also about his okay. uh, question. Did, did Neil say how many he's got available? Like, is he just cleaning out stock or is he? No, he's ramping up. It sounds like. I don't know. That I, I don't know any specifics were mentioned. I think he said something like DM me if you're interested. So as far yeah. as the yeah. particulars, it's one of those secret handshake type things. You got to reach That's out. Good. But, the, more, the more source for these, the better. Cause it's really oh, absolutely. Weird. And the good thing about Neil having some, he's in Canada. So obviously if you're in Canada, he's your best bet there yeah. to cut down on, on shipping, right? Cause he can keep it yeah. all in time, both, especially with yeah, Neil, the time, yeah, being slowed down yeah. right now. shipping exactly. time and shipping costs, right? And, so and as Richard Canada. mentioned on the show here, he's got the, the unique color of the circuit board to right. help separate his from Ed's. You can tell which version you have, though they're compatible with each other. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking I might get my second one in order. I might have that one set up to be a dragon one, too, because I'm getting close to unboxing the dragon. So. Yeah. I will warn you, Dragon DOS, as Nick Renties has discovered lately, is quite different than DisBasic. Okay. Uh, next up, uh, this is actually could be a mini discussion topic here. So um, Michael Pitsley uh, put up the question in Facebook. There's so many different apps, games, utilities, demos, and other things on the SDC image, of course, you know, the ultimate SDC image that some, quite a few of us have. Uh, way too many to see it all. I'm looking for your opinion on the best Coco 3 demo. And then we didn't have the big demo scene on the Coco, like, you know, the Amiga and the C64 and some of the other machines had. Um, so the ones that he starts talking about here that he's seen already is the Radio Shack Christmas demo with you know Santa yeah. and the truck and everything else, um, and then of course the original uh, demo from Radio Shack when the Coco Three was first released. That was the Spectral and, Associates one, right, with the bouncing ball and the. Yeah, that's this one right here that Chad Edward posted a link to the video here. Okay. And then Sierra, of course, made their generic Christmas one that would work on any of the Sierra engines, and that's been ported thanks to William Major. And then, of course, the 3D uh, ray trace demo. demo, which we've shown on the Nitrous 90 EOU is one of the ones, but it's also available for Disk Basic as well. And then uh, there's been a link to Simon's, of course, the one from CocoFest. And then I think I'd mentioned a few like Sockmaster as you know, Bouncing Ball, and he's got his you know, the graduate, graduating characters that go off into the distance and his Moon Patrol demo. Yeah. Um, Even the Matrix one is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, there's Bouncing Balls from... Uh, you know, Steve Bjork's done one. I might do that one for the Coco one and two. Uh, Von Cato did some before Sockmaster did. Kevin Darling did the one that's in the Nitrous 9 Ease of Use. Um, RemTube is that 3D texture mapping demo and a Wolfenstein 3D demo and also a sprite scrolling demo where the sprites are flying around the screen, the whole screen scrolling around. Plus there's that sprite library that had a good demo built into it. So that was some of the other ones I've seen. Uh, John Linville's video player is another one. Ed Snyder's had a few good demos too. Does, is there any other demos or is there any demo out of all of these that some people here as a brief discussion topic would think is the best one to show off the Coco 3? 
Now, I know Paul Fiscarelli, even though it's a playable game, Paul Fiscarelli considers Run Dino Run to be a demo because they, dem- they want to demo how you could have uh, multi-voice sound and still have enough uh, CPU left over to p- build a game around it. So that's, that's kind of a demo as well, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, I guess that would that would kind of qualify, yeah. You know what I would love to see? I don't know that it exists, but these were really popular were the various aquarium screensavers. It'd be kind of cool just to have some random fish swimming from side to side and the, the background water color kind of... D- you just figured out your assembly topic there, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, there was one done in basic quite a while ago. I do remember seeing with the bubbles and stuff. Yeah. And, I, and like you can have remember. the background change from day to night and stuff just by palette shifting between blue and black. Yeah. The stuff. old after dark style. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 That would be kind of If we're cool. going to have that, I want the flying toasters. Flying toasters. <laughs> anyway, if you guys have any suggestions for them, any demos that, you know, yeah, I mean, I think you ran off a really good list already. Are all those lists, all those ones you verbally listed in the comments of this thread here? Not all of them. I was actually coming up the list just before the show here. Yeah, I think I threw yeah. one in here yesterday. But uh... did we did we mention the Gloom 3D demo? Nope, that's another one. The that's one that started the whole 3D. You can do 3D yeah. graphics on a Coco in real time. That was the one that Sock Master did, right? Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah, so go ahead and um, if you got any uh, YouTube video links for him to check out to see what they look like as a preview or just to tell him, you know, try this image on the Ultimate STC. Yeah, let him try it. Yeah, I tell you, another kind of neat feature is on the the Cocoa Pie, the uh, attract mode where you can have a Cocoa just run through different cartridges as a demo. That's pretty cool, too. I know that's not on a real Cocoa, but I think that's a cool demo just to have running. And there's one for the Coco 3 that runs through a, a large library of, of Rondell Vaux's high-color images that he converted. And so to run through kind of like a slideshow of these high-color pictures uh, as a demo is kind of cool as well. Actually, the the high-color is a good demo as well, just yeah. to show, you know, if you yeah. start doing hardware tricks, you can get, you know, 4,000-color pictures on it. Twilight yeah. Terminal, I guess, is kind of a demo in a way, too, to show, you know. Yeah. 20 color text and stuff as well neat also maybe it'll encourage some people to help you know, write some demos and go you know i haven't seen a demo that does this and, all know, right so. well how about simon jonathan's cocoa fest demo that actually was one of the okay. ones that was mentioned all right there you go and that one actually simon commented on that down here he goes i still need to finish it <laughs> <laughs> okay cool <laughs> and then the last one here much uh, i'll just mute for a little bit you guys can watch the whole thing uh, the next episode, episode three of the Cocoa Collector by Boise Pete has been uh, put out just last night. Okay. And this one features a Cocoa 3 that Marty Goodman used to own. And then Tim Linder had rescued a bunch of stuff because Marty was clearing out a bunch of things. And it's one of the ones he's hacked the living crap out of here. As you can see, he's got an external keyboard and a wooden case. Um, he's wooden got... Look. Wow. <laughs> this is typical Marty. If you've ever been to Marty's house, all of his computers are like this. Look at that yeah, ribbon cable. Go. Yeah, he connected the uh, the ten pin RGB uh, from the bottom to the side over there on the left hand side. There it is. Yeah. Okay, yep. yeah, yeah. So it actually roots in, and then you can unplug the RGB monitor on the side instead of to lift up your cocoa, especially okay. if it's hooked up to a multi pack. That's that's the predecessor to the Kookaburra cable, right? Wasn't that just the? Uh, uh, that's the uh, that's the Wallaby. Wallaby cable. Okay, yes. Well, the Kookaburra is the extension. You extension. Can do with that too, but the yeah. the, the uh, Wallab- people use their Wallaby cable for that yeah. purpose also. Yeah. He's got a performance peripherals, uh, older 512K upgrade still in there. 
Okay. Um, the keyboard connector is actually not just the keyboard either. The reset switch is actually rooted through it. <laughs> and if you look on the front of the wooden keyboard, there's a little recess switch you can hit for the reset switch. So he actually demonstrates hitting control alt and hitting the front reset, and it does the you know the how much set could a reset set written. if a reset could reset. And of course, being Marty Goodman, he reprogrammed the picture on the uh, <laughs> on the Three Amigos, so it's no longer the Three Amigos at all. I'm sitting to find that. Why? Oh, here's the reset switch here. Look at that. Oh yeah, right. So let me go. Can you guys hear that? No. Uh, nope. I don't know if you're sharing system sound with the video, but that's fine. Okay. Well, just... uh, here we go. So there's the HDB DOS. He's got the capture running through. Oh, that's the reset. What the hell is that? Freaking bugs. 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 That's a typical Marty Goodman sense of humor thing. Yeah. Okay. Those computer bugs. He says to get out of having a computer bug crash machine, so he puts bugs up as his screen. Okay. <laughs> anyway, this—I mean, the whole series that he's been doing here. I, this, this is a series I really do look forward to every time an episode comes out because he's—he's he's demonstrating like you know standard machines, but he's also got these weird kinked up ones that yeah. people have customized. He's got prototypes coming up that almost nobody's ever seen in real life. So uh, yep. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this, the rest of the series. Anyway, the... It's a 10-minute video, so he's got a fair bit of information there. He does some tests on it to make sure everything's working, runs a RAM test on it. Um, and basically everything in this one is working fine. And, that, and one other thing he pointed out, and this is typical of Marty Goodman, because he's always hard was always hardware hacking back in the day, is that when he received the machine, it has that not a single screw in it and, and probably hasn't in decades. <laughs> <laughs> Because having to take the screws out to take the case off just slows Marty down. Three out of my four cocos are exactly the same. No screws. Pull the top right off. Easy access. Yep. Where where can we find this? It's on Boise's channel. The color, the Coco Collector. Collector. Yeah. I believe the I believe the link was posted in the live chat. Link was just posted in the live chat. Wonderful. Yes. Also, too, um, I'm sure he will not do it with this one here, but his two previous episodes where he did a Coco 1 and a Coco 2, he has now put them for sale out on eBay. Hmm. And he references them saying, here's the Coco as seen on episode 1 and episode 2. Oh, I didn't so, know he did that. Okay. okay. Yep. okay. Yeah, I think I saw him pop up yesterday on eBay. I know he has a ton of Cocos, and I, I thought he was actually collecting, collecting, but maybe he's kind of feeling a little guilty that you know, a lot of people are trying to find, especially Coco 3s these days. And on eBay, they're getting darn hard to find for a reasonable price. Okay. That's cool. And that is the end of the regular news. As I said, a short news week. Well, thank you, Boise, for doing that. Um, Very, very cool. Well, how about we take another break before we get into the game on section. And and, um, Nick Moroda, just so we know, like right after the break, we're just going to go straight into our usual way that we, we start game on. Yeah. Yeah. The way we've done it the last couple of weeks. Yep. Yep. That's the plan. Well, thank you all for being here. We hope you're enjoying the show so far. That concludes news. Thank you, Al Curtis Boyle, for procuring and delivering the news for us this week and every week. We feel very well informed. Thanks to you, sir. Uh, so we're going to run another commercial break. Let's see. I've got so, so, so many choices. And I'm just not sure which one to do. How about we just do, you know what? You won't go very far, Fletcher. I, you yeah, we got to run. We got to run some Fletcher. <laughs> We're going to run some Fletcher and we'll be back with game it's on. Dependable. That's it. Hey, Grant Leedy's return. Hey, Grant. Everything come out okay? 
after these messages, we'll be right back. Fletcher, I don't need that report tomorrow. Great, JT. I need it tonight. But, JT... Fletcher saved $300 on her office away from the office. Radio Shack's revolutionary Model 100 computer. It's a word processor, phone directory, and dialer. It even communicates with the office computer. Fletcher, how's that report? Fletcher. Radio Shack's Model 100. Save $300 and put it to work. There oh, it is. Shit. God dang it, I just screwed up on the commercials. Hold on, guys. I got too many <laughs> buttons to press now here. This is technology for you. After these messages, we'll be right back. Fletcher, I don't need that report tomorrow. Great, JT. I need it tonight. But, JT... Fletcher saved $300 on her office away from the office. Radio Shack's revolutionary Model 100 computer. It's a word processor, phone directory, and dialer. It even communicates with the office computer. Fletcher, how's that report? Fletcher. Radio Shack's Model 100. Save $300 and put it to work. You'll go far, Fletcher. <laughs> You'll go far. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. On holidays, Uncle JT would entertain us with stories of his business conquests and his assistant who would meet any deadline that he imposed, no matter how ridiculous. Well, until she shot him in the face, that is. Hi, this is the award-winning Alan Huffman of Subbie the Software, and you're watching Stevie Fall Off Cliffs. What's going on, guys? Stevie Stroh here, and I want to say thank you so much for being part of this adventure with us. It's been such a great experience in doing Coco Talk every week, and the support we get is just amazing. And so the fact that you watch and listen is all the reward that we need. However, if you would like to become a patron of the show and offer some financial assistance towards the production and hosting costs of the show, we do have a Patreon site available for that, and you can reach that by going to our website at cocotalk.live and clicking on the Patreon link. But just do us a favor and watch and listen to the show. This is not the Joey Serial Switch. This is the Joey Serial Switch. Control up to three serial devices. Order yours today at cocoman.biz. Radio Shack, America's technology store. Right. This Christmas, Tandy has a very special offer. A family color computer pack to take away at a very special price. This family computer comes complete with software and costs an incredible $449, a saving of $241.69. It's powerful, educational, and ideal for the young and young at heart. The easy way to start computing. The color computer family pack from Tandy. Get it while it's hot. Tandy, the biggest electronic store in Australia. Yeah. Hi, I'm Tim. Playing Daggereth like that idiot from the book. <laughs> You're watching Coco Talk. And now, oh. Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. In Galagon, the battle begins.
Damn National Geographic. All right, guys. Hello. Welcome to the uh, Game on Challenge results. We had another fantastic week. Thank you all. We played Galagon. Murph, Alan Murphy, 4040. Mark Bosley, 4070. Wayne Aaron, 15560. Rogelio, 15780. David O'Connor, 16570. David Ladd, 16970. David Croker, 17110. Paul Shoemaker, 21020. Kenny Carter Computer 3, 23480. Redbeard, 25000. Mr. Dave, 265. Mark Overhoser, 35390. Ken Reichardt, 41900. Kenny Retro Things, 44400. Me, 48100. Tom C, 48460. Frodo, 49390. Jim Rye, 2860. John Laurie, 54,400. OG Stevie Stroh, 55,150. Bryza, 64,370. Alpen Greg, 71,310. Al Curtis Boyles, 84,470. Diego, 110,160. Adam Tandy, 119,590. And Tasman, the winner this week with 285,110. And uh, Tasman was a new entry this week, along with a couple of others that were asterisks in the list. Um, so yeah, thank you very much. That was yes, a uh, <laughs> so thank I you all for 15. your participation. It was a great sorry, that was a great score. I'm yeah. in the top 15. Yeah. You are, yeah. Special shout out to Marco <laughs> who took play, took part this week. It's very rare that he does that, so thank you. And uh, yeah, no, it was a great, it was a great uh, spread of scores, and uh, yeah, 285. I'm gonna take. Uh, I'm gonna take control. Frodo NL was saying, "I see that video was made before my last score, my latest score." Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. Oh, I, I did see. I did see David made a mistake with his score. David Ladd shouldn't have. David Ladd shot for a sixty forty score. <laughs> yeah. Sorry for the inaccuracy there. Occasionally they slip through. I, I apologize. Another great uh, so, shoot 'em up. Hmm? So here's a review from Rainbow where they uh, gave it a good review. They appreciated the rather brilliant artifact colors available in the P mode 4. Yeah, it so, works great uh, in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> and this was a high score back in the day uh, in Rainbow. This was one of the later scores for the game 1,306,000. Wow. Oh, you got to be kidding. <laughs> <laughs> So here's some oh. gameplay video from Tasman. I know one of the things he said was even though this is a, one of the strategies in the game and that made it uh, really uh, unique was the ability to have your ship uh, captured uh, and then double up. But the only issue with that is then you become a huge target. Yeah. So for the purposes of the score, he, he did not do that. Uh, and this is just gameplay of him showing how you can still uh, clear the challenge stage with just one ship. This is the first challenge stage. Insane. All right. That was a technique I used to even with the double ship is to kind of follow them around instead of just sitting yeah. in one spot shooting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did that too. Actually it's important to move because they seem to target you. And so if yeah. you're if you sit in one spot, if you're moving and they fire, that's kinda of late. So there's a good mm. better chance of not being hit. That's insane. I can't do that with two ships. No, same here. <laughs> 
I hate when it targets when it, ah, sorry, I'm trying to get to the next tab. So, um, that was cool. Yeah. So any, uh, any thoughts from the game? It was a very, it seemed to be a, a popular choice. A lot of people seemed to enjoy it. What were the total number of participants? Cause you, you, you started talking on the scores cause I guess there wasn't enough lead up time, but what, yeah, what, what sorry, was the we total? Had, um... Well, officially before the deadline, we had 26, but we also had a late entry by Brian Weasler as well. So we had 27. This okay. Week, that's a good is, week then, is, right? Oh Yeah. We're uh, routinely hitting in the 20s now, which I think is fantastic. To, to quote my favorite um, catchphrase now, is that our new normal? <laughs> it's, the new, it's the new reality. It's the post-COVID world. Um, in these challenging times. Okay. And any other catchphrase you want to oh, use. Oh, I love it. I planned on spending a lot more time playing that. I was really enjoying it, but I sort of got so, um, so here's occupied what, here, with a lot of other things. And so. I was talking to Tom C. about this, right? So obviously this is a clone of the arcade game. Um, the difference here is is that it has to be modified for the 4 by 3 Coco screen, um, where in the arcade, a lot of these games, they turn the monitor long way, so it was a taller screen. So mm. while the gameplay mechanics are almost identical as far as the pattern formations and whatnot in the arcade you had a little bit more vertical space between the formation and yourself so they weren't on you as quickly you had more time to get to move around so that's one of the reasons why this one is a little bit harder is it plays just like the arcade and about three quarters of the vertical resolution of the of the original arcade right so uh, similar thing to do with like donkey kong where they had to squeeze it down you know um yeah. but no this this to me is probably like donkey king just one of those games where they just captured all the pieces of the game and and uh, you know and i always wondered how how did even like when we were playing lunar rover patrol you know all the levels and the changes and the difficulty and all those little things the only way they could have done that is those guys had to play the real games over and over again and just take notes or do recordings or do something oh, to sure. to manually Nowadays, you can just dump the ROM, right? And you can look at the source code and you can get all the artwork and assets and all those things. But back then, these guys had to rebuild a, you know, this is like a Michelangelo. And they had to basically repaint a Michelangelo um, from scratch, you know? So I wonder how faithful the challenge stage patterns were to the arcade. Because I they, think Taz managed to do five challenge stages uh, patterns that then repeat. And I know the first one looks the way I remember it from the arcade. Yeah, yeah. Uh, At least the first couple are the same from when I was playing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so so I I just, I'm, we have to assume because I don't know if we can speak to the authors, but how else, how else could you have known how the levels change and how the difficulty ramped up and how the patterns change and the formations change and all those things. They just had to have played the game or watched people play the game because it's going to get to be expensive. Right. So maybe they just hung out in the arcades and just looked over the shoulders of people, you know, um, but you kind of back then that that's the only way I can imagine it, you know, is that you just had to plus given arcades, you had the high scoreboards on the machines and a uh-huh. lot of the people in those arcades knew each other who yeah. were on the high scoreboard. So if you were looking to make a game at the time, you could actually go grab those high scoreboards, find those folks while they're playing and start asking them, Hey, come check this out on this machine yeah. and tell us whether it's close or not. So there's a lot of you know, early video game consulting that went on. That's that's one 
possibility for sure. Yeah. I yeah. remember talking to Dave dies when he was doing some of his clones back in 85, 86, 87. And he actually did take a tape recorder and a video recorder to the arcade. He usually couldn't play it himself. Cause as he said, you can't play it at the same time you're trying to record it. Right. Um, so we'd have some friends that were really good at the games and he would just record and you know, try to figure out the patterns, et cetera. And I think Nick uh, Marenti, as you mentioned, like for Pac-Man, your Pac-Man tribute, I think you actually went to the arcade to record the original sounds on that too. Didn't you? Uh, yeah, yeah. I actually took a cassette player and let someone else play, and I just recorded them. Hmm. Did you get that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So oh. today you could have brought yeah, your Yeah, sorry, sorry. I was recording you on my cassette recorder. I couldn't respond. As quickly, so yeah. <laughs> and I only asked that question because yeah, I just wanted to make sure Nick was still awake because we haven't heard from him. Well, you did wake me up. We, yeah. had to, we had to translate the answer to English. Yeah, it does seem pretty accurate. Yeah. And at level 10, the uh, aliens basically double in speed, mm -hmm. which I, I'm trying to remember if the arcade did that, but I think they did. I think it actually did ramp it up. I remember. Now, this video you're showing was the first live stream we did, which was like Saturday night or Sunday night or something. And I did this one in on my Cocoa Pie on a normal Cocoa 2. Later on, I ended up playing in a Cocoa 3 in the double speed mode on the you know high speed poke. And because the game was frame locked, like a lot of other games, it didn't make the game go faster, but it made you feel like you had a little bit more fluidity in your control, you know, as far as movements and response and stuff. So I think the yeah. high, high speed poke is a nice thing to do when you can do it. I like to have a video playing while we're talking about it. And I also want to mention too, that uh, quite often you do do a, uh, a gameplay uh, usually on a Saturday night, but uh, you know, if anybody's hanging around on a Saturday and wants to, to join in, uh, a few people get together and play and uh, have their screenshots going, and it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. There's a few tips and tricks good flying across there too. Yeah. Now, Stevie, yeah. if I remember <clears throat> when you originally ran it on on your Coco Pie, you were having some problems with it. Keep kept unmapping joystick buttons. And yeah, stuff like and that. I'm Did not sure if that's that? a Coco Pie thing or if it's a, the latest Mame thing. I'm not sure to be honest with you. Um, so it's still a problem. At this I, point? I haven't. I have been so busy this week that I haven't had a chance to play anything all week, so I couldn't tell you. But I know over the weekend it was definitely a challenge for me. So, so I'm not sure. Verdict still out. I remember posting some messages in the emulator channel on Discord, and I think Tim Linder had mentioned that there was a few things he had discovered, like in the Coco Three emulation. There's two buttons for the Coco Three joystick, but they're both labeled button one where it should be like button one and button two or button zero and button one. I had also noticed in the um, Coco emulation, if I tried to configure both buttons on a Coco 3, then neither button would work, even if I mapped them to two different buttons on my joypad. So I think there might be some joystick tomfoolery going on in MAME 0.22 or whatever it is, so or 2.1, okay. whatever, the, whatever the most current version was on, in June when we, when we baked this Coco Pie image. But I know there's going to be some updates coming. And um, one of the things that we didn't mention when we were talking about the Cocoa Pie, but one of the nice features of this latest update, this June build, is there is a live update feature from the utilities menu. So there's a GitHub repository built in. So whenever updates are needed, you can just go to the utility menu, go to updates, and it'll download and extract the latest version of MAME. And then you can go into another utility menu, menu to select which version of MAME you want to run. You can actually downgrade your, your different versions of MAME in the Cocoa Pie because it's keeping like a half a dozen different versions running. Um, Knowing how unstable MAME builds are, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. So if there's an update, the, the latest Cocoa Pie image is kind of 
self-correcting with just a few menu options. So they're self-updating, I should say. And actually, we had another interesting interesting development this week with the game. It was discovered that there was a version that supported the speech sound pack. Yeah. So yeah. Bryza uh, actually went through his collection of games and found a handful of games that were speech sound enabled. And uh, so he posted those in our Facebook channel. And, and they started showing up in the Color Computer Archive, too. On the archive as well. So uh, so Galagon was one of them. And there's a few others that support uh, Quicks, I believe, was yep. one of them. And, uh, I, I backtrack. Others. I'll mention the games on the game on news segment because that's one oh, of my stories. So sorry okay. about that. Okay, no, that's perfect. Fine. So thanks, Bryza, for uh, for taking care of that. And uh, we're still discovering new things, which is uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. I do remember Rainbow advertised they'd upgraded a whole bunch of their games, like probably close to a dozen of them, with the sound speech pack. Now most of the time it was just speech, which yeah. wasn't that big yeah. of a deal. But yeah, I think most of the versions, the uh, <clears throat> free ones that were flying around at the time. I think we're based on the original runs and people just didn't bother getting the new versions for the most part at the time because they already had a working game. So it's really yeah. nice that Bryze actually found the the second versions that came out with Sound Speech Sports. Yeah, you know what's ironic? Most of the games... <laughs> sorry, Neo, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, most <laughs> of the games that um, support, we'll just say the speech pack because they hardly ever support the sound part of it. Yeah. Most of the, Most of the speech is really like a novelty you know, it doesn't really serve the game too well. It's a level one game over, you know, nice high score. Um, but there's a few games where the speech really made sense. So one of them was Gantlet, right? Because in the arcade game, Gauntlet exactly. talked. But a game I am surprised nobody's made was why did why wasn't there a version of Berserk that supported oh, the yeah. speech sound pack? Because that's what the freaking game sounded like in the arcade was a freaking Cylon. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like... Uh, we need to get a speech-enabled Berserk. I, I think in the case of Berserk, Spectral did have Android Attack, and the 32K version before the speech pack was ever released by right. Candy was already talking with software synthesis. Yeah. And I yeah. think they just figured, you know, we already have a talking switch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. But that is, that would, that's, to me, that seems like the most, the, the most logical yeah. choice would to be make a Berserk-style game for the speech sound pack. Well, considering so the original Android attack project. only... Oh, go ahead. Oh, that's your other assembly project, Steve. Okay, we'll get right on that. <laughs> I was just going to mention, like, Android attack had two versions. They had a 16K version, which did not have the speech, and then they had a 32K version, which had the uh, software speech. Because the sound speech track would have so much you know, lower programming overhead, you could probably make a talking version for 16K if you based it on Android attack. Hmm. Right, because the speech sound pack didn't require a lot of extra RAM. You were literally just sending text strings to the to yeah. the chip. So pheromones, what they call it? Pheromones, yeah, pheromones. Yeah, not pheromones, sorry. yeah, you know, pheromones. <laughs> pheromones, phenomes, Yeah, phone I learned they're, something they're, new today. They're actually called phone, <laughs> phonemes, but sure. Phonemes. Pheromones was from Madame oh, Rose's massage worse. parlor. A totally yeah. different game. Sorry. <laughs> and that will never be in the game on challenge. I Come on, now. right now. Despite I, I, I think I think when whenever Leisure Suit Larry be, makes it to the challenge, the first person to get uh, syphilis wins. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you Hulk up and turn green. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Stevie, you mentioned that you tried the high speed poke on this one. I just sort of played around with it then, just to see if it had. Um, on my Coco Three, did uh -huh. the six five four nine seven. Didn't really notice any difference. Well, like um, I said, the game I the game doesn't play any faster, but I, to me, it feels like your movement is a little bit more responsive. It feels like the joystick is more responsive. Yeah, when you're trying to move your ship around. You don't the, shoot the any faster. The joystick sampling code will speed up. Yeah, 
Yeah, maybe I've got to directly compare it. You know, I guess I, yeah. I didn't sort of. I, I played it before, and then I was just pl- playing around with it then, actually. But um, no, when I tried it, it without. Yeah, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> I was just when I tried the high speed poke, you know, it it seemed really sluggish. You know, very very sluggish. And I put on the high speed poke. The game didn't seem to move any faster, but the joystick response seemed better. Yeah. And the, the game like skiing, like that's another one where I'd optimize for six or nine, same situation there where the game itself, like your your time to make it to the end of the course is the same as it would be normally. But because it actually refreshes the graphics a little bit faster, it has more time to sample the joysticks before the next frame lock. So that, yeah, it does, it does tend to smooth them out a bit without increasing the speed of the game itself. And there you have it. Well, yes, uh, thank you again for a fantastic response to this game. I, I'm always uh, very encouraged when uh, it engages a lot of people from the community, so thank you. Absolutely. A great Which, game. I had a lot of fun playing it. Just lacked all the uh, all the artifact colors here in Australia. It looks, yeah. looks rather ordinary without them. <laughs> Running on my screen like, in the background. The... So it looked like stripes to you, or did it have the bizarre purple and green? Yeah, it's a bit of both. You can see it in the background in my shot now. I've actually got it running. It's running on Pell. Talk again so we can see your screen. Well, yeah, I don't know if you because it's highlighted on my sharing, probably. Let me just spotlight. uh, Okay, now we got you. I got you. You're spotlighted. Yeah, so they're all sort of, there's there's no, especially the scores. The scores are difficult to read because they're not blue or green. I mean, Mm. sort of blue or, or, or red. Yeah. They're just this sort of font and it was it was it, was, it proved challenging to take a, a screenshot where it actually clearly showed the uh the uh, <laughs> <high> score so <laughs> i'm assuming that the dragon pal version would have had the option for the you know the green background for color and the like the pmo3 versions of it too which i imagine it probably wouldn't look too bad because these look more like pure artifacts except for some of those yeah split shifts you know split into three those would have looked like crap but well, Curtis, didn't some games have a hidden key if you push to clear yeah, or something? Yeah, home or clear or something. From... Yeah, that was mostly Tandy stuff, though. Yeah, mostly oh, Steve okay. York stuff, to be honest. Yeah. Hmm. No, Rick Adams had it, too, in uh, Temple of Rome. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah he I forgot think... that it was there, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Until well, that makes me feel better it. that I forgot, too. Okay, you see that thing that just that <laughs> just showed there? Nick, pause, pause the video right there. Okay. So one of the things I discovered that I thought was a bug, it turns out as a feature, is that when you're getting picked up, you have if 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 while if while the ship is picking you up and you fire one last shot and you kill the thing that's picking you up, your ship gets flies off the screen like it goes to the top of the screen and then it leaves the screen. And when that happened to me, I thought I lost a life because I killed this ship that was picking me up. What happens then is on the next round, there is your ship comes back above another one of those dragonfly things. So. Uh, I don't remember that happening in the arcade, but a lot of people chimed in saying, yeah, no, that was in the arcade too. So just another nuance that they cloned so well. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like when you get picked up and you shoot the thing that's picking yeah, you up. Yeah, does that happen? I've yeah, no, it happened to me several stuff. times. You can, have, you can oh. actually have your own ship attack you too if you shoot it at the exact yeah. wrong time. Yeah, it'll, yeah. it'll still come down and, and attack you. Well, if you kill the if you kill the Galagon has your ship, then your ship becomes an enemy, right? Yes, yes. When it's before it's before it starts diving on you, when it's still up in the top formation, if you shoot the the the, the kind of carrier bug, yeah, that ha- the host bug, yeah, then you then your ship becomes an enemy, yeah. But the opposite of that is is that you can actually shoot the thing that as your ship is going up that tractor beam, if you shoot the bug that's that's tractoring you, you kill the bug, your ship leaves the screen, you lose a life. If you make it to the next wave, your ship will come back with an, on top of happen. another bug, and you get a chance to get it back. 
So it should happen. In yeah. The so I thought it was a bug, and it turns out that's a feature because that was in the arcade too. Cool. I never tried. See, that right now this happened. Oh, this happened again, right? So I just shot the ship yeah, that was I, shooting I, well, me, and I got sucked off the screen. Oh, right? neat. So um, I've never seen that. Yeah. And it changes blue, and when changes blue. If you do shoot it and it turns it into enemy, it turns that orange color when it when it attacks you. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Oh, so because you didn't live, you didn't get to see it, but had right. another life. Yeah, had another life and made it to another round. Would have been there. If yeah, oh, okay. on the on the next wave. If you make it yeah. to if you make it to a subsequent wave, it comes back. Right. Oh, that's yeah. neat. Yeah. So so that was a nuance that was in the arcade that they also managed to clone. So like I say, they had to have like studied this game to figure out oh, yeah. every little detail to to bring that in. Yeah, well, the Keaton brothers did really good on all the clones they did. I mean, like Lunar Rover Patrol, Galligon, Buzzard, or not Buzzard Bait, uh, Lancer, you know. Uh, actually, no, Lancer was by somebody else, sorry. But the, the ones that they did do, they did Storm Arrows, Whirly Bird Run, Scramble was by them too. So, I mean, yeah. they did a lot of playing of the arcade or at least, you know, watching somebody and very closely studying the patterns and order of things, et cetera. Yeah, very they cool stuff. They pickup truck and the key to the back door of the arcade. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, if if these companies like Spectral Associates had the wherewithal, they could have bought an arcade game and had it there and just had their developers access it 24-7. Here's the machine. Go to town. Make us the best possible clone ever, you know. And it just so happens that it just these guys were doing it all from home. And just, you know, like, like look at Chris Latham, you know, the spot on Donkey Kong and spot on uh, um, Popeye, Popeye game that he made at home. Man, you yeah. know what I mean? So. Uh, Unfortunately, I can say in Spectral's case, particularly the, the owner of it, I think it was Tom Rosenbaum, was notoriously cheap, so that would never yeah. would happen for them. But, <laughs> right, but I think I heard the same thing about Tandy. There were books about video games uh, that detailed a lot of the um, okay. arcade games. Okay. So they, they might have just read a book. Yeah, there were like a lot of cheap books that told you a certain, like there was, was the Pac Man pattern ones were in yeah. this, yes. right? So, um, yeah, that's another possibility. Because we didn't have the internet back then, Al Gore had not invented it yet. So, no, um, yeah, that just weren't so quite up to snuff yet. Yeah, it's a series of tubes. Speaking of which, I remember, does anybody remember calling the one nine hundred numbers to get tips for the Sierra games? <laughs> you had to pay like four dollars a phone call to call those things to get one pre-recorded tip. I knew I slightly dialed that number wrong. I got something totally different. <laughs> or the Invis- not a nine seven six number, no. Right, or the Invisiclues books for the Infocom. Yeah, those are cool. Yeah. The marker and the little window viewer to read just the one clue. Hmm. That yeah, was, it was also colored to, plastic or something, I think. Wasn't that also to thwart piracy by having things in like that, that and you couldn't copy those easily? I love it when you say thwart. It's so very oh, rare you. we get to use the word thwart. I was hoping to work that word <laughs> into you did, it. You did. You did. You, you did it <laughs> That's well. That's today's mystery word if you play, was playing at home. That's right. Do you yeah, have one not, of those I'm calendars? Just another, I'm not just another pretty face. I've also that's nonsense. <laughs> so Nick Nick Morota, so much more than just a pretty face. So <laughs> cool. So I guess we have we uh, beaten this one to death. Uh, anybody else want to chime in on that? I think that's about it. Um, All right. Well, again, thank you guys. And so uh, now we'll unveil next week's next, next week's, week's game. game is we're back to an original game, and this was actually a request by somebody. I'm going to see if. Do you recognize what this is? Anybody? Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay. That's the maze to death trap. 
Yeah, Aaron, Aaron, you were wondering about the Maze to Death Trap when you tried it on your stream, and he's in the chat right now. That was it. Uh, wow. And you can actually materialize inside there. I've done that. Okay, inside, and yeah. what, he did what that was too, it? actually during his stream. And you just got to sit and wait for sweet, And it sweet says death. end in there. It says end. You see the word end yeah. there? Yeah. The one in, guys, that is an insane maze. Where Now, where is this maze available? Is that on Curtis's website? Yeah. Yes, this is off Curtis's website. Okay. Also, you can win the game, too. If you get all four of those diamond star things, okay. you win the game. And where are all the diamond star things? Are they selectively in every opposite corner of this godforsaken hellhole? Or are they <laughs> all together? I imagine pretty close to it. I've actually, I've never done it. I just remember I read the manual, and it does mention that if you get all four stars, you win. That makes me dizzy looking at it. Yeah, and the the thing that okay, so I I oh, were you talking? Sorry, I'll go back. I'll go back to the like picture. So there's a thing that looks like a multicolored arrow, a right arrow in that big like open triangle space. Is that just a whole bunch of pickups in one spot there? Yeah. yeah. And what were the letters standing for? F was fuel, right? Yeah, H was hyperspace. Tank. Free tank. M is a map. M is a D map. Is death. D is death, which you want to avoid, right? Question mark. We don't know what that is, right? Random. Question mark. It rotates through them all. It's randomly picked, and you you know, you might yeah. get. And that's extra points, basically. Extra points. And then that's the diamond, that diamond-shaped yeah, thing. that's the special one you got to get the four of. To and there's four the diamonds you have to locate. So if you look at this map, you can kind of see where the diamonds are and try to figure out some type of strategy to get the diamonds. This should be fun. Looks like a CPU die. <laughs> it does, it does too. right? Yeah. Holy crap! I'm going. Yeah, this is like this is a freaking QR code. This looks like a Stevie Rage Quit in the making. Oh, this was a fun game. I just that that theme music was boom. This tank will drive down and then hit this D and then explode. And now for people that have not played the game before, I want to mention too, there's also this pulsating blue square thing that oh. tracks you down and can go through walls. Now you can outrun it, but uh, like, for example, if you're stuck in a bunch of long vertical corridors and he gets into the same corridor as you, the only way to get around him is to like drive right down to where you can switch corridors, wait for him to come right up next to you and then turn the tank back on. You hold the joystick button to move and then just quickly skirt around him. So you can get around him if you kind of get trapped. Unless, as Nick mentioned, you're trapped in the middle of a square, then you just have to wait for him to kill mm. you. Paul Fiskarelli says, this looks like this is prime material for a bot. <laughs> <laughs> Death trap bot. huh? So, and a pallet hack. Uh, yeah, the blue square would actually screw up the bot, though, because you don't know where that's coming from at any given time. So, uh, Looks like a good multiplayer game. Could be. Yeah. I don't believe it is, but... Uh, no, it's single player. Could be. Okay. But it could be. Death trap, death match. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Because you, because the goal in death trap is to get the four diamonds, I mean, having two players wouldn't really help because as soon as one person got a diamond, the other person oh, unless, could unless it's a unless you're game. Unless it's cooperative, yeah. Yeah. Or if you shot an opponent and he had diamonds, you get to pick them up. Like whatever he had in his possession, he dropped. And you could pick up his yeah, dropped items. That would kind of work too. Also, also the diamond could occur for each uh, each player. So if there's four players, there's four diamonds for that position. Yeah. Okay. And so whoever collects all four of them first could win the round. Yeah. Neat. Yeah. But it's a pretty good I, game. It's, it's it ran in 16k in cassette. It has some really decent sound effects. It's got a huge friggin' maze as you guys have seen. It's, it's horizontal and vertical scrolling. Yeah. Uh, all software based. Obviously, no hardware based scrolling like yeah. on a gimme chip or anything. I'll and mention one other thing. The the M uh, map key. Um, if you like, we've seen the master map there that Nick's been showing. The map uh, square itself shows you a zoom up of just the portion of the map you're in. 
So you get to see more of the maze than you would normally, but not you don't get to see the full thing, just to let you know. Anyway, you have to you say you press M for map. Well, oh, you when run you, when you pick up the M, it shows you the map. You can't you can't preemptively pull up that map on demand if you wanted nope. to. No. Okay, so it's just a reward you get from time to time. And that will show you like maybe one eighth or one sixteenth of the map or something okay. like that. Yeah, that map is freaking huge. In your local area. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, thanks for picking this, Nick. I know I planted this seed a while ago asking for this yes. game because uh, I, I have fond memories of playing this game. The title music. Oh, I enjoyed uh, it too. Yeah. And it's by the Rugby Circle, which is uh, one of my favorite publishers. So yeah. yeah. Oh, and no, Rob they did clones. This was an original game, as far as I know. Like this isn't based on anything. So it was, and no. it only came in the Cocoa, as far as I know. Rugby Circle yeah. was more known for Model One Three games. Okay, so this they is were like, so what's... Right? Yep, and Color Caterpillar was another one, which is a centipede clone. Yeah. So there you go. Here's our game for the week. Ah, thanks for uh, picking that. Uh, you are welcome. Another lovely uh, Pell artifact. <laughs> no, it's P mode three. This is P mode. This is this is in P mode. So these are using real. Yeah, P mode colors. one actually. P mode one. Or, okay, the Puyan oh, color set. Yeah, Puyan colors. Oh, this... It does use P mode. It does use artifacting colors when you're like hyperspacing, just to do as as an effect. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, hopefully we can get to do some uh, some streaming of this tonight. This should be fun. Yeah. And it's it's a good coincidence that you picked this one for this week because literally the stream that Aaron just did last week, he was get, taking the game suggestions and we did a few that he'd never seen before. Uh -huh. This was one of them. Okay. Another oh, one he'd never seen before was now, Alias, this uh, Firecopter. Run, this would be interesting to see how this runs on the Color Computer 3 of Double Speed Poke too. I think this it one actually run... does run at full speed, uh, double speed. I don't think it actually frame locks. If I okay. Hey, we've been I joined by it, Diego. Well. Hey, Diego. Welcome, sir. I didn't see you sneak in on us there. Uh... It was very quiet. That's fine. And this will work with palette, palette hacks. Pa yes. Oh, yeah. Is this in your game's uh, menu disc? Because it should be. No, not yet. Okay. Uh, can maybe we can up? we can hack that to get it onto the game's menu disc. Yeah, when you do that, Nick, um, make sure you don't just use a standard P-Mode 4 artifact colors, like the orange-blue, because that's what some of the effect screens do, the flash between them. And if yeah. you do that, then you won't even see a difference. Right, right. You have to but, pick some uh, unique colors for the... The background could be anything but white and, and not the ugly green, too. But it could have, like, a dark blue background or that steel blue background you guys use on Lunar Rover Patrol. That's a cool color. Yeah, it was really up to the uh, to the imagination. But, um, yeah, that game is begging to be palette hacked. And that cool. wraps it up for my segment. Thank you. Just trying it on the high-speed bike now. All right. Yeah. See, you go, there you go. You, got the col you have colors. Colors. Yep. David has <laughs> colors. Right, that's important. Yep. For color computer, yeah. It's kind of nice. Definitely important. All right. So oh, it, does um, it does run faster with high speed. Oh, oh yes, yeah. it does. I thought I was pretty sure it yeah. did. Okay. Yeah. So that might make it more interesting. Because I noticed that's the one where you noticed the vertical scrolling was seemed smoother and less choppy because of you know just not having to do bit shifting, where the horizontal scrolling you, you could kind of effect. see the ripple effect and and how the screen was being moved Ooh. around. So yeah, where um, did that thing come from? <laughs> yeah, um, we have game on news too, right, L Curtis? Yep, we do. All right, so we're gonna go ahead. Oh. And Curtis is not done, but that's cool. Thanks for that game of the week, our next game. I'm looking forward to playing Death Trap, Nick. You are Arota. welcome. Um, uh, very cool. And yes, I do take suggestions, so please, if you have any. He takes suggestions, and he encourages bribery. I may take a while to get to them, but I do solicit them. Yeah, he not well, only charges was... you for his autograph of his dreamy picture, but he actually charges you to get bribes in for the game. <laughs> <laughs> so, hmm. 
Nick is an expensive date. That's all I can say. (laughs) (laughs) That little square thing that comes and gets you through walls is a little bugger. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I will give you one tip on that because people may have not played this one when you're, you can move your tank left, right, up, down with the joystick anytime moving the tank. You have to hold down the joystick button, which of course uses fuel. If you let go of the button, that blue square that comes after you will come after you like wicked fast. But if you're driving around the tank, it actually slows it way down. So that's the way. Oh, nice tip. Yeah. Um, and Tom C from Jersey is out there. Hey, Tom C. Aaron is out there in the live chat from Amigos Retro Gaming. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Frodo. Hey, Paul Fiscarelli. Hey, guys. Uh, all right. So, what do we got for gaming news, L. Curtis Boyle? Let me bring up you on screen here. There's not too many sites to hit this time. There's four, but the Cuthbert Dragon site has been quite busy uh, with a whole bunch of stuff. Let's share the screen. Don't remember to click the sound. You leaving us, Brian? Yeah, I got family coming over for All right, well, thanks for joining us. Hey, listen, next time you're on, if you have anything you want to talk about, let us know at the top of the show so we can get you in so you don't have to wait around all day. Now, the only thing I got is uh, who knows about the games from Simon Tatham, basically board games. There's a whole bunch of source code for a lot of those games, like something like Gems and uh, Inertia and stuff like that. Some wicked... Uh, games that are addictive. Are uh, these Cocoa games or just generic computer games? Or Generic. You got the C code out on the uh, internet. I actually have all the uh, C code here. Okay, because I know some people have been learning C lately on, on the Discord, so maybe that's something you could send them and maybe they can actually work as a project to convert them. Yeah, I'll, th- I'll throw it up on uh, Facebook. Okay. Yeah, throw it up in Discord too, because I know some people on Discord, especially the hardcore C programmers, aren't usually Facebook people. <laughs> Yeah, that'll probably be better. Cool. All right, Brian. Sorry, sorry we missed you, but thanks for thanks for popping in. Oh, no problem. Have a good day, guys. Mm-hmm. Yep. Later, Brian. Hmm. Hey, so is this screen being shared? It is being shared. Okay. So first up, Marlon E added another Coco video, and ironically, it's one a game that I had not seen until a few weeks ago myself because it was one of the ones I added to my games page just a few weeks ago, and it's by Spectral Associates. Um, it's called Butterfly Patrol. Now, this game looks like it was written in BASIC. So it's a Moon Patrol-style game written in BASIC. And you know, Marlon himself says it doesn't play that well, and I have to agree. But for a BASIC game, it's actually fairly impressive. Um, Butterfly. We've got Butterfly Patrol. For the Sound coming through this time? Yeah. Pretty aptly named, I think, because I think if I played this game a lot, the guys in the nice white suits driving the nice white vehicle. <laughs> dial, their butterfly net and uh, haul me away to the nice rubber room somewhere <laughs> where I can play with the computer with the rubber keyboard and the rubber mouse. Uh, I say that because this game uh, uses separate firing to fire forward and to fire up. And because of that, to fire up, you have to have the joystick up. So the only thing that's left for jumping over craters is to have the joystick down. In addition, it responds rather slowly to the uh, joystick input, so your timing is very different from uh, other uh, Moon Patrol clones. I suspect that if I played this long enough to get my timing down on this version, it would probably mess up my timing on the other version. So... 
I won't play the whole thing, but uh, yeah, it's it's kind of Moon Patrol. I mean, you yeah. can see that some of the shots hitting the ground don't put holes in the ground. Others yeah. do. Um, yeah. The firing mechanic and, and jumping mechanic is quite I think different. I've seen this once before, too, just going through uh, SDC archive or something. It looks like it might have been like compiled basic or something like that. Yeah, it's yeah, very maybe. much um, in the way the line is going and the, the sounds sound like the play command. Bloop, bloop. Um, yeah. But it's interesting, right? So it, the the perspective here is is that your ship never moves, right? So they're really just scrolling the floor. Uh, so the amount of uh, uh, you know graphic shifting is real minimal. They're just shifting a little bit on the bottom there for the terrain, and they're just kind of shifting the top where the um, butterflies are up there. Um, yeah. uh, no, it's yeah, neat. so gameplay mechanics are a bit different, but for a basic. Oh, absolutely! It's, it's very, it's very, ambi- very ambitious, and um, and it, it, you know what it is. You know what the game is representing. It's representing a, a flavor of Moon Patrol, and it, and it's kind of cute the way it looks. It looks like almost like a kindergartner would have drawn this up of crayons in class <laughs> or something like that. You know what I mean? The big bubble of the thing there. So it's got this real kind of cute uh, grade school art look to it. And I'm not saying that in a demeaning way. I'm saying that in a flattering way because it's a, it's kind of cool. Um, with the butterflies and you know instead of it being spaceships they're butterflies right so it's it is kind of in have got like a childlike innocence to it so yeah and another a thing that's not unique but pretty close to unique for that time period of 82 is that is actually written by a female programmer not oh that might explain why you have some of these non-standard non-male um typical things right so yeah because that was quite rare. I mean, I'm trying to think back in the 82, 83 time frame, female programmers on the Cocoa that did commercial software. I mean, there's um, Computer Island, which was an educational company that Steve Blinn and his wife ran. His wife did write some of the games uh, for it. And there was a few others in the educational game market. I know there was a few female programmers there. But as far as, you know, mainstream arcade style stuff, Spinnaker software. Can't. I had a lot of female which one? game designers. Spinnaker. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if the Cocoa ports did, though, did they? They were usually done by uh, like Larry, what's his name? Um, the guy who did Snack Pack. Larry okay. Banks and a few others like that. I could think the Cocoa Ports were done by you know, mm. male programmers. So it was just a fairly rare thing to see at the time. So yeah. that was another fairly unique thing about yeah. this game. So in, in a way, you can we could say this is a very stylized uh, take on a moon patrol, on the Moon Patrol genre, right? So Yeah. And it's always good to see stuff from Martin Lee. He is a true living legend when it comes to doing retro videos. Yep, he's been doing it longer than any of us. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Not saying you're old, Marlon. He's <laughs> experienced. <laughs> yeah, I watched his videos before I found yours, so that got me in the whole being excited yeah. about uh, yeah, me too. getting to Coco again. Yep. Experienced. That's something we can all relate to. We're all 50-year-old teenagers, aren't we? No. <laughs> <laughs> Speak for and, yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Next up here, uh, and and uh, Nick had already mentioned this before during his game on, is that Rise uh, has been finding all of the uh, <laughs> speech sound pack enabled games that Spectral did when they did their second round around 84, 85. And uh, this is a list of the ones that he's uploaded to face, Facebook so far. Some of these have started to show up already on the Color Computer Archive, at least three or four I've seen. I don't think they're all quite up there yet. Uh, so there's Space Wreck, Kicks, Cubics. Uh, Miss Pack, which is actually Miss Gobbler, Froggy, and Galagon. So there's, you know, six games with speech. There was more. I mean, Module Man supported, I think that one where you had that right version there. Sazigi had a version that spoke. Um, there's, like I said, close to a dozen games that actually did Neat. add the speech. 
Hey, talking about the speech pack too, um, I didn't realise this, but I, I think I read, I think it was on Facebook this week somewhere, I read somebody was talking about if you want to run a speech pack on a Coco 3, you have to do a mod to it. Was it right? Or? Double speed, if you want to do double speed. Oh, okay. So if you're running yeah, if you clock speed, it down, speed. if you clock the computer down before you talk to the speech pack, it will work. Okay. But if you're trying to write a game that you need the speed for it and you have to keep switching back and forth, it actually slows down the game. Yeah, yeah, right. But I believe there's a hardware mod you can do to the pack, so it'll handle either way. So it, it won't do any damage plugging it in and running. It just won't work properly. Right, yeah. yeah. And there's there's okay. two mods. There's one mod that people did back in the day when the Coco 3 came out that just forced it to always run at double speed. And then there was another mod then a little bit later that actually lets you have a, you know auto switch between it'll detect what speed you're running at and just adjust itself. And that's, that's the ideal module. And why Tandy didn't release that, I have no idea because they could have used it. Well, this this, this product was released before the Coco Three came out, so double speed was not. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but if they released an updated version, I mean, they released two button joysticks after the Coco yeah, Three came out. True. true. I should have asked. I, I can uh, answer that question right now if you'd like. <laughs> Go ahead. Because <laughs> they were cheap. <laughs> <laughs> right. They could have fixed the MPI, but they didn't do that either. So. <laughs> I should have actually asked Brian Schubring while he was still on, actually, because my speech pack I, I bought off him. I should have asked him whether he's had the mod done to it because it's in a nice blue case, so it probably has. Hmm. Anyway, for any of you people out there that have multi-packs and sound speech packs and you want to get some more games that support the sound speech pack, here's six of them right here. Neat. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you, Bryza. Thanks, Bryza, yeah. So that's in the files section of the Coco Facebook group, yeah? Yeah, right. and it's also, like I said, it started the first three or four have already showed up on the Color Computer Archive when I checked this morning, and the rest should be up there because I know Bryce uploaded them all to it and in a couple of batches, and you know, as he catches up with all the submissions and stuff, they'll show up there too. So, Link to cool. Facebook's already been posted in the YouTube chat. Cool, cool, cool. Cool. Next up, and this is carrying on from the Jim Gary um, where he was asking for beta testers on Sword of Fargal at the beginning of the week, and now he's actually released the full thing. So uh, now this has got that amazing MC10 sound that only Jim Gary seems to have built oh, into his yeah. MC10. <laughs> he knows um, how to beat up that six-bit deck. Uh, there's no six-bit deck. There's only one bit in there. Oh, really? MC10. So he's doing amazing stuff with that. Mm. As you can see in the comments, though, here, it's it's a port of the sort of Fargal that originally appeared on the Commodore PET and then was later ported on to you know, the Apple II Plus and the VIC-20 and a bunch of others, too. So. And he did a pretty good job. I, this one actually out of his adventure game ports that he's done from these other platforms, I think is the one I think looks the best and most impressive. Oh, course, yeah. That's really good audio. There's the Sid chip. That's a good Sid chip, that one. So you roll your character and you got you know the various things here. But the mapping is done <clears throat> so that you actually only see things as you're turn going it around. Turn it down a little bit now. It's kind of loud. Yeah, music got louder. Yeah, that is neat, where it kind of illuminates. Yeah, like it, it does the auto-mapping as you're going through, like modern yeah. games tend yeah. to do type thing. Which I don't think I've seen him do on an MC10 game before, to be honest. I am so looking forward to using my MC10 now. That it's got, I just got it back, so. And of course, you got like gold pieces, you got slashes, which represent stairs to go between levels. You've got monsters to attack, hits to fall in. <laughs> Steve, you've always been a long time. MC10. I have. I've said it for years. MC10 is amazing. <laughs> it's an amazing machine. I, I'm going to trip the BS alarm, you know. Yeah, yeah. Jim Gary's done fantastic things with this MC10. 
Incredible. Anyway, it's a pretty impressive game, and it was a pretty impressive game back in the day because I mean this came out in the late 70s originally. So this is very early on in the, the home computer revolution. Yeah, very this is quite a fancy game for it. Yeah. Stevie was a supporter of the MC10 since the late 70s, I believe. Oh, Kevin Holloway says it's on the C64 Mini. Oh, I haven't even looked at my C64 <laughs> Mini yet, so <laughs> thanks for letting me know, Kevin. <laughs> it's on my to-do list. So <laughs> and, and Brian Weasler, since you're still here, if you want to post that link you sent me privately, because it's not in the official news thing that Mark had, you can post it in the public here in uh, Discord so that Mark can cut and paste it into the YouTube chat. Okay. And I will switch to that now. You've been slain. I hate it when that happens. Crikey. Donut Dilemma. This is this is why he has Ferraris. Two hundred fifty dollars. Did you notice the price on this? <laughs> is that like, American? Is this you? Are you are you needing like new tires? You know, you need Ferrari to stop the, the Jim Gary music still playing. Can you stop that you one? Should, you should contact the seller and see if they want it autographed. All right. They can boost it. Two hundred fifty bucks. Now what is Crikey. what is two fifty Australian? Like three dollars American? One seventy-one fifty-four. It says. It says one seventy-one. Crikey! So Nick, I, was, I wanted to get your reaction out of this. Like, uh, first of all, are you secretly selling this because you're trying to get rich quick? Or what? <laughs> That's it. That, my scam's over. <laughs> no, I don't know who this is. This is a ripoff. <laughs> is that what the original the game is? The game is free, um, but even for a collector, I doubt it's that. I mean, I'm a, I've got heaps of the packages already in my cupboard here that I never sold anyway. So maybe I should do the same. Yeah, exactly. Put, put them in a plastic bag and sell sell them for two hundred and fifty bucks. Well, when you put Here's it in a plastic bag, you can seal in the smell of shite that this game is. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Hey, you know what? The, the, the new the new version of this that comes on that's the Coco Three version that comes on the the Gunstar is yeah you know, with the pallets. Out. Yeah, it's really freaking cool. Yeah, joystick yeah, support it's better than this one. Yeah, but you could have got two hundred fifty dollars <laughs> for that, Nick. Just put it in a bag. Yeah, I could have. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, Are they charging extra because they spelled color correctly too? That was my other question because I've got the Americanized <laughs> version here. Color so. computer, yeah. You notice he <laughs> said the uh, condition said acceptable uh, when you look at the original listing. <laughs> acceptable. <laughs> it's an acceptable. Well, if you take a look, you can see the artwork's kind of cracked and stuff, so the paper's not in great shape. So yeah. tape's probably wrinkled. They're sort of playing on the difference between eBay and PayPal where you can kind of get caught up and not get your money back for stupid stuff. You see this all the time on eBay. Throw a wild number out there. Someone's accidentally going to pay for it. Well, it's classic yeah. and vintage and rare. Yeah. Is that still well, up there? Is it sold? Cool. No, it's an, active, no. Uh, it's an active auction right now. I just posted a link. It's Why, are you going to buy it, Nick, or what? <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine why it didn't fly off the shelf at two hundred and fifty dollars. I think you should contact the seller and offer them to autograph it so they can boost the price one hundred and fifty. Yeah, tell them I'll split the proceeds with you. Get like two hundred bucks or something. Yeah. Too. If you look carefully, they've changed the name to Donut Enema. <laughs> price. That's what you're getting. When you eat when you eat too many donuts, you do need a donut emina. So to, uh, so. Well, to, to quote uh, Stevie when he's playing Galgon, they're just getting you right up the tailpipe. So yeah, kind of makes sense. Hey Nick, is that supposed to be you on the front cover of that though, or the... no? It's roughly my dad when okay. he was younger. Uh, okay. 
<laughs> but the expression fits in this context. Yeah. yeah that's his, yeah, uh, that's yeah, the, uh, that's the uh, I need an enema look. So. <laughs> well, that's about 40 years old, that drawing. Wow. Isn't that, it's I'm either that or it's, it's a picture of his dad, you know, watching Nick getting born and kind of getting worried. Actually, that <laughs> that has kind of a Monty Python look to it. The whole li the uh, lithograph. I it's more more yeah. like a uh, Beatles uh, yellow submarine. Yeah, the yellow submarine, maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. It is. It is a cool. It is a cool artwork for that cover. Um, two hundred yeah. and 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 only twenty four dollars shipping. So listen, that's a steal. <laughs> with today's rising yeah. entertainment costs. rising entertainment costs that's a real you know, there's uh plain not... donuts on the cover there and the donuts you see have little things on them don't they mm. well are they sprinkles or jimmies yeah sprinkles they're probably uh, coins in this case for the extra money he's making selling the darn things uh, <laughs> for a game that sold uh in tandy for twenty dollars 250 is pretty yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's usually it goes. Usually it much. goes in the other direction. Like the uh, Model One Hundred was selling for a thousand dollars back in the day, and you can get it for like a hundred bucks now. So usually you get them cheaper as they become older, not more. So except uh, if they're uh, com retro computers and vintage synthesizers. Okay. There was a Roland hmm. Jupiter, Roland Jupiter Eight up there for forty thousand dollars. Wow, that's insane. So and apparently, like... apparently the Ziploc bag really increases the resale value. So just note to sellers: put it in a bag, <laughs> raise the price. Now, yeah. one one serious this question doesn't... I wanted to ask Nick about this: if, if you notice on their picture here, uh, maybe it was one of the other ones here because they did have a picture of the other side of the cassette. Yep. 57 on here. Did you number them as you sent them out no, to Tandy? No, I don't that's know what that whatever is. Whatever somebody did. Someone else write that. Okay, because I didn't know if you kept track of it that way or not. What does modified mean? <clears throat> modified Color Computer 3 version. And actually, the cassette label, uh, I bought a pack of yellow cassette stickers back then, and then I bought a little um, stamp pad kit. Yeah, as I say, it looks like a rubber stamp, yeah. It is. It's a rubber stamp, and then I, I oh. stamped every label because wow. I didn't have... I didn't have a printer that printed that, of course. Yeah. So I stamped every every label. Now, uh, and you you put the Cocoa One and Two on one side, and the Cocoa Three in color enhanced yeah, version on the second yeah, side. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, Steve Rasmussen, otherwise known as Buck Owens, in the chat just mentioned the same seller has Zaxxon for three hundred and fifty Australian. So you know he figures don't ah uh, on cassette, huh? <laughs> he just figures he's sitting on a gold mine. Fifty bucks. Yeah. Oh, wow. I love it. I love it. That's it's all right. It's not, yeah. it's not I, real money anyway. You know, I've been I, I've been looking at eBay recently for a few other things too, not just computer related, but like some old books and stuff. And I don't know if I was going to sell something that I was not familiar with, I would probably want to see what other people are selling similar items for first before I just came up with some ridiculous price. Uh, you know, yeah. I don't know. Call me yeah. crazy. Yeah. So. You're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Davey Mitchell's you, asking, you, well, what's their price for Nightmare High? <laughs> That's 500 Australian. <laughs> now you've paid way too much. <laughs> That's but, but it comes with a free couch, though. <laughs> yeah, slightly damaged. In your choice yeah. of colors? Yeah. <laughs> wow. You do well, get free what? postage, though. Okay. Well, not here, do you don't? That's the twenty-four bucks post. Twenty-four dollars. Yeah. I mean, yeah for rising that's... entertainment costs, I've never been so entertained by uh, you know yeah. shipping ever in my life. So. Yeah, that cassette's got to be wicked heavy. I can see why it's going to cost twenty-four dollars to ship it. So. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's a it's a metal tape. Yeah. <laughs> oh. The same tape is being sold it's... for C64s too. 
Yeah, it's got to go through at least four different kangaroos on that uh, relay race to get it across country. Yeah, and they have to get so. that special bag that fits, fits, fits in the kangaroo's pouch properly to ship it. So. You got to be insured for 250 bucks. Oh, my God. And the Metro thing says, I have a Zaxxon cassette for only 200 Canadian. Any takers? <laughs> Rising entertainment costs, that's a real bargain. So, yeah. I so, got five uh, bucks. Nick, you said you made the labels. What about the cassettes themselves? Did you... Did I you? made the cassettes as well. Yeah. Well, I bought the blank, <laughs> blank cassettes, and of course I, I, I ran. Or did I? Hang on a second. No, duplicate? no, I didn't. I went. Yeah, I went to a duplication place because, um, yeah, that would have dr drove me up the wall. That. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you were doing a dilemma because you sold thousands of these, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. So I, I got a, uh, a tape du duplication place to do that, and I know I added the labels. Okay. What, what was the retail price it's for this back in the day? Nick, twenty dollars, twenty dollars Australian $20. back then. Yeah, wow. in a Tandy store, and you sold a thousand um, of them. There was uh, three thousand I sold to thirty-five hundred, I think, total. Yeah, yeah, to Tandy. I didn't get twenty dollars though. I only got about the two, three dollars each on them. Tandy right. are the ones that made the money. Um, if I'm actually just in buying that, but not at that price, only for the cassette. I've got plenty of the packages. I've got plenty of the plastic bags and the the printed uh, uh, material, I don't have any of the original cassettes. So just solely to have as a my own personal souvenir, I would I wouldn't mind the cassette, whether it worked or not, I don't care. Just yeah, you know, archive it, but not at two hundred and fifty bucks. No. <laughs> let's start yeah, a GoFundMe yeah. for Nick. So let's. Uh... I should actually <laughs> I should actually uh, email the guy and say, look, you know, I'm the author of this, and this is illegal, but if you sell it to me for for five bucks, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll forget I'll it in the it house. <laughs> <laughs> I'll call off the crop lawyers. I'm just hired. That'll be some violation of the licensing agreement. Yeah, Lawyer drives a Ferrari. The law hey, firm of Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe. Nick, did they You're have Dunkin' Donuts down, in, uh, down under? Uh, not back then. Not back then. But we do, we do have them now, or uh, if they haven't gone broke. Um, we did have Dunkin' Donuts, yeah. Well, what a what a cool thing! You buy a dozen donuts and you get Donut Dilemma. <laughs> well, we actually owned a donut bar back in the day. I mean, if you saw the Donut Dilemma page, there's a picture of our donut bar. So that was way back in the early '80s when, uh, well, you didn't see those big donut bar chain stores. So we were a little in independent kiosk type store in the middle of a shopping center or shopping mall, as you call it. And uh, yeah, we sold donuts, and that was really the whole inspiration for the, for Donut Dilemma, the game. Oh, um, cool! Where I created it from. Um, my webpage uh, talks about it all, and um, yeah, so that must have been one hell I, of a dangerous donut shop to work in after playing your we, game. We we sold a lot <laughs> of donuts. Uh, that was back in the day, as I said, of all the. Well, we we sold the cinnamon coated donuts was the main thing. Uh, but we did also have some with icing sugar on the top as well. Who were your uh, biggest your biggest uh, customers would have been the police, wouldn't they? Oh no, no, the public. Oh, that, they used to, uh, it was a joke. Used to buy them by a dozen. That, but that was back in the day when one donut cost twenty cents. So yeah. we were we were selling bags of them, and um, they were very popular. And we had that till probably the mid nineties uh, um, before we oh, sold well. it. You know what? You know what I did one time. My family was getting together at our house, and my wife says, "Why don't you run down to, to Dunkin' Donuts and get get a 
couple of dozen. I said, okay. So I run down the Dunkin' Donuts, right? And before I went there, I went over to the dumpster and it just happened to be a bag of donuts in there. <laughs> so I pulled the bag out, threw it in the car. I got two dozen and then I went home. When I got home, instead of bringing the two dozen in, I brought the bag in. I said it in the kitchen and she goes, what the heck did you do? I said, these were free. Look at them. Tons of them. <laughs> Didn't go over well. We sold. They we used to sell them in bags of six. That was the most common way of selling them, and lots of people bought them. A bag of six for a, a dollar twenty, I think it was. So uh, yeah, it was very popular back then in the eighties. Nowadays, you pay two dollars for one donut. Uh, yeah, even here. And two hundred and fifty bucks for the cassette version. <laughs> <laughs> you eat it slow. And you get a free a donut in every bag. There's a donut. So inside, I wonder in the, in the bag at the back of this is a uh, dried up 40 year old donut. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't. No, I, th I, th I think um, Ron got all of those a while ago. So yeah, <laughs> they're in the dumpsters. Yeah. Sorry, I just I was interesting, fire. Brian Weezer. Thank you for finding that actually during the show and just sending that to me because it actually was. So it was interesting to see what Nick's reaction was for that price. I, I will send an email to the seller and offer him, you know, look, I'll give you 10 bucks for it. I'm, I'm the author. <laughs> my hands have touched every package. So my hand, my fingerprints should be on that package. That's right. DNA. We can get, get DNA some forensics there. in there. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. <laughs> Interesting. Oh. Somebody says to you in response to your email. Yeah, probably F off. Did <laughs> <laughs> that have a uh, color computer one and two side? Yeah, it's on did. the, screen the right other now. side does. Yeah. Did they show it? Yeah. Yeah. One of them uh, says color computer one and two version and the other oh, side of the he? tape. Oh, yeah, yeah. It does too. Yeah. 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 It does show both sides of the tape. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then oh, the last, which is a large group here, um, Cuthbert right, Dragon's so been busy. I, I just what? need to ask a question because I am uh, I'm starting to run what out of you? steam here. Um, Mark, do you want to maybe pick up the stream? Because I'm starting to fade, man. I've had a really long work week. I don't know if I can stay here much longer. I know we got a lot more to cover, but I personally can't do it. <laughs> Is Mark B here? <laughs> Wake up. <laughs> um, you need to grab can, a donut. Can we do this? <laughs> He's here. He just got... Do you want to do a commercial jolt. break or something, Steve, to transition it? or? Yeah. Mark, will you be able to pick up the stream? Uh, yeah, I think so. All right. Um, don't know what's going to happen when I push the button, but. <laughs> yeah, I apologize, man. I'm just. Um, run the credits. Yeah. I'm, I know we got a lot more to cover. We got <laughs> game on news to cover. We've got project updates and acquisitions, but Stevie Stroh is tired. Um, I'm going to run through most of the game on news. We're down to well, the last we, item. Well, there's a bunch we of have... videos Curtis wanted to play. So, oh, okay. um, all right. I'm going to run a commercial. Get ready. Mark. Bosley, and you should be able to pick up the stream when I end the stream, uh, hopefully, right? Yeah, then, uh, then we got the uh, um, uh, figure out the Zoom. <sighs> okay. You're on Zoom. That should be good enough. All right, we're going to run a commercial, and we'll be back after these messages. Maybe. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> and now, this message. Hi, it's Chris Boyle, part of the uh, Coco Zack. Crew of people. Hey everybody, this is Bill Noble, co-author of Nitrous Nine. You are listening to Coco Talk Live. 
the leading live cocoa talk show. Good day, mates. This is Nick Marionettes, author of such color computer titles as Donut Disaster, Rupert Rhymes, and Rockstar Pilot. And I am here today to tell you about the world's most fabulous operating system, OS9. OS9 and its current incarnation, Nitrous 9, is the most advanced operating system ever created. And what makes it so good? Ease of use. I find OS9 so incredibly intuitive that I haven't once cracked open the user manual. And yet I've been able to create such incredible games faster than the time it takes to sing Walsing Matilda. Using OS9, I expect my next game, Funstar, will be done this weekend and distributed exclusively on ROM cartridge. OS9 forever. Any resemblance to actual events, to persons living or dead, is purely coincidental. Hi, this is Max Jackson, live from Coco Fest. And you listen to The Real Gamer, Steve Stroh. We're traveling through a dimension both of sound and ideas. We're at a place where the mind can comprehend and devise a solar radio, a wireless transmitter, measure time and light. 65 electronic projects brought to reality with this science fair kit. Astonishing, perhaps, but you can find it for Christmas for $17.95 in a place that's known as Radio Shack. Radios, stereos, recorders, everything in sound. today at lcurtisboyle.com. Hi, this is Sean Wheatley, and you're listening to Coco Talk with the original gamer, Stevie Stroke. Use the wrong stream key. Yeah, it tells me I don't have a, uh, the stream key. All right. Well, we tried to switch. We tried to switch streamers, and we couldn't switch. All right, so we're back. Um... <laughs> All right. How about we do this? I'm just gonna I'm gonna leave it on full screen. I'm gonna stop sharing. You guys run the show. I'm just gonna walk away, and then I'll check back with you in a little bit. <laughs> it's the best yeah, show that, ever. Yeah. Go get a copy. That won't go wrong. Problems. Extra. Hang on, I think it, it just maybe I just need to log into restream here. Let me uh, pick up that inform that stuff and give it a shot. Time for Stevie's afternoon nap. <laughs> <laughs> What's the I'm title of this episode? Stevie is drowsy. 
I mean, maybe, just, con- just continue not. the show. Go ahead, Curtis, and continue to do the news. I'll just check back every little bit. I just I just can't sit here anymore because I'm just too tired. But I'll just leave the stream going. You guys keep doing what you're doing, and I'll check in on you every now and then. Maybe you're it's getting working. my uh, narcolepsy, Stevie. Yeah. I, I, maybe it's contagious after all. <laughs> maybe you got I'm meant to be the one doing the sleeping. <laughs> driving Toyotas, drinking beer. <laughs> Mark, did, are you still trying to take it over, or should I just start uh, um, the last I'm second? Uh, looking up the login information for Restream.io here. So we're still, we're still live on it? Or we... Yeah, that's a yep. very professional yeah. setup. That's we're just full screen. Sure. <laughs> just do the show, man. Just keep going. Stop blabbing, yeah. Curtis. Keep going. Okay, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll just start sharing, and Mark, just maybe send a text message if you want to try to officially take it over. Uh, yeah, just need a, just need a minute here. Hey, so this is uh, Cuthbert Dragon, who did a whole bunch of, as usual, Dragon games, including some that I've never seen before. Uh, this first one, uh, if Aaron's still in the chat here, this is actually a version of the game they covered on ARG Presents, where they did the Apple II version. And this is originally an arcade game called Anteater, um, which is not one I'm familiar with. I didn't play that one in the arcade at all. And this is a Dragon version called North Sea Action, which kind of takes the same gameplay, but makes a completely different scenario for it. Um, I don't know if anybody here is familiar with the Anteater arcade game, but. Uh... But basically, you're controlling the ball at the top there, and you draw these lines to go get all the dots and stuff, but you can't get hit by those faces that are moving back and forth. It's an Apple II game. Uh, what's the Apple II game uh, of this called, uh, Mark? Uh, I am not familiar with this one. Yeah, I'm trying to remember Apple if Aaron's still in the chat. Uh, you, yeah, and he is. You just said sweet looks good. But Aaron, if you want to continue, tell us what the name of the Apple version was, because it wasn't Anteater. It wasn't an official license. It was a clone. Yeah, I don't recognize the gameplay. I mean, I've seen a lot of them, but I haven't seen all of them. Somebody's suspected. Artie the Aardvark. That sounds right. Yeah. Somebody said there's somewhere between they figure between seven and ten thousand games for the Apple II. So. And you haven't played them all yet. (laughs) That narrows it down. Barely scratched the surface. (laughs) That narrows. I wasn't much of a game player. (laughs) Yeah, Aaron mentioned they just covered it last week in ARG Presents. So that's already on their YouTube page if you're on the Amigos Gaming. And Canadian Retro Things says it was also called Oil's Well on the Coleco Vision. Ah, that's the one I'm thinking of, actually. Oil's Well. So it was on the Coleco. And those are all clones of Anteater from Not the arcade. Not to be confused with uh, Wildcatting. Oh, and Aaron's mentioning the same guy that did already on the Apple actually did the original arcade version of it, too. So the same guy actually wrote both versions. That's, that's interesting. That doesn't happen too often. Hmm. And Robin has asked if this is using PAL artifacting. Yeah, that purplish is the PAL artifacting. And Oil as well was actually released on the 64, the Coleco, the MSX, the Ataris, DOS, and the Apple II. So, yeah, it was this version I'm thinking of. Okay. Oil, oil's well. It ends well. Yeah. <laughs> It was, it was an interesting one because that's one I've not seen. I've never seen the arcade game version before, though. I did look it up afterwards, and I've never seen a Coco version of it as well. So this was uniquely on the Dragon, as far as I know. This is a pretty good game, this. Next one is Rollerball. 
Now this one, I think we've shown once before, though the video wasn't very good. And also the person that was trying to play it had no idea what they were doing. And that's one thing the Cuthbert Dragon person actually seems to know how to play these games. So you actually get to see real gameplay instead of just somebody, you know, randomly shuffling around, not accomplishing anything. I like that look. It's got the 3D yeah, look. Yeah, 3D is good. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Nice. And it seems to be little transport things that you go through to different parts of the maze. I don't know the full details, but uh, yeah, visually it looks like a pretty, pretty cool looking game. I wonder if this runs on the Tano or Coco one or two. I, it should. I, we might have to remap the keys. If it's a keyboard-driven game, that's the only thing you got to do is just you know find the code that reads the PIAs and then remap what rows and columns do what keys, or figure out what the keys are so you at least you can try to play it if they're not you know too messed right. up position-wise. So yeah, anyway, like you actually this. get to see some of the screens in here because the original video we showed only showed one screen. And he couldn't figure out what to do with uh, anything on it, so this person actually knows what they're doing. <laughs> I like how the 3D perspective changes. It's good. Yep. It kind of reminds me almost of like Mind Roll, the cartridge from Radio Shack, except it's not a moving 3D or moving top view. It's a 3D just wandering through the maze type thing with a ball. I don't know if the game plays any similar. but So that was an interesting one. Six, I don't know, Express. We have shown this one before, and that was another one where the person didn't really kind of figure out what they were doing. Watching this guy play, it, it, it makes more sense now. Um, basically, you're following the track lines on the bottom of the screen, and you got to switch between tracks to avoid certain things that you can't destroy. But there's other things in there you can shoot. You can actually see them like shoot a hole through something, so you don't run into it. And then later on, you get planes dropping bombs on you, all kinds of things. So. so you can see on the bottom there's three tracks, and there's a little connecting parts, and you actually see them shoot holes through some of those obstacles. And then you have to switch tracks as you're going too. Is this running a uh, external sound cartridge? Or? Nope, that was actually sound speech. And there you see one oh, okay. of the planes dropping a bomb on you. So that's another unique game. I haven't seen that one before the previous time we'd shown it, but uh, this actually shows some of the gameplay properly too. So a bunch of these we're gonna have to go through and actually see how they work on the Coco. Okay, next one up, and this is another one that we had shown before, but the gameplay, none of us could figure out from watching it. Uh, and this one here, I think yeah, you do kind of get the idea for it now. At first, it looks like an Asteroids clone, because you shoot these shapes, and they break into two other shapes. But the firing mechanic is totally different. You're that ball that's wandering around. And basically, you, you fire off a spinning bomb or whatever it is, and it just sits in space until something runs into it. So you're basically throwing bombs in front of the Asteroids. You're not shooting, per se. And then there's also certain shapes that you have to run into recharge your your gun and recharge your shields. Can you blow like yourself up by mistakes? It's um, like you're you're leaving a little poop. <laughs> okay, that's not what I would have thought. <laughs> <but> okay, <laughs> way to class up the show, Ron. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's no ranked right up there. Your donuts. No charge at all. <laughs> But as you can see here, because you're constantly splitting things, you're not really clearing off the screen that much until a certain point. That part is similar to Asteroids. I'm just trying to remember if I can find where the recharging is. Oh yeah, that little thing in the center that's not moving with the flashing eye, that, that's part of your recharge. And now you see his shields and protons are recharging as he's sitting in dock to it. So while looking like Asteroids at first, it's actually quite, quite different gameplay. 
and another original concept. I don't, I don't know if there's an arcade game based on that I, or that this is based on. I don't know what it would be. So do we know whether your own bombs can blow yourself up? I don't believe so, but I, I haven't seen him actually do that, so I'm not sure. It has constant sound, too. And I do know that every time you fire a new bomb, your previous bomb, if it's still around and hasn't been hit by something, it disappears. So it plays like uh, Gorf that way, where you're, you shoot a new shot, your previous shot disappears. Interesting. I don't see this game on the World of Dragon Archive. Okay, Stone Raider we've seen before. Can't remember if we've seen darts before. This was one I couldn't remember if we had shown before. If we have, just let me know. We'll skip it. Oh, that's cool. So you got the little darts on the top and the side there to try to do your aiming. And of course, you're the outer ring, you get your double score. Your, your inside ring, you get the triple score, etc. So, And I think it's in basic. Did you throw bricks at your TV monitor to get them? <laughs> And it's, it's, it's a fairly nice looking darts game. Throw darts at your monitor. <laughs> uh, next up is uh, Perilous Pit. Rewind a bit here. Which is one of those you know, maze games that kind of resembles Module Man type thing. Now this one here, you have to gather your treasures and then deposit them into that car at the top right there, the red one kind of like Bagot Man or Bagman does while dodging obstacles, et cetera, and, and maneuvering the maze itself. So, and you can only carry one at a time. So you're constantly having to, uh, you know, go back and grab the next one before you refill it again. So I'll just let him capture one and put it up there and then... You guys getting sound on this? Yeah, yeah. Okay. On my end, it's so faint I can't even hear it. So, but I know it's quite a bit louder on the live stream. Yeah, anyway. it sounds, it sounds about right here. Level and there's one. there's different mazes as you go through. It's not all the same screen. So an interesting little maze strategy game. Uh, next one up is a castle attack. And this one I've not seen before. So you get to collect keys and you use keys to open some of the doors, et cetera, while dodging shapes that are coming around at you. And then you got the secondary level. And this is actually, the, this is, reminds me of Nick Morantes because it's kind of a mastermind game you have to play between the levels, except they're using like weird shapes instead of colors. You're saying I'm a mastermind. Thanks. No, I'm saying you're a ripoff artist because this was done before yours. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But it's interesting that both you and somebody in the UK came up with the concept of taking an arcade game and inserting a mastermind game into it. <laughs> and you've done that twice now. You've done that on Gatecrasher for opening doors. Yeah. And you've done it on um, Gunstar for opening the uh, Hypergate or Stargate. Yeah, not exactly mastermind, but anyway. <laughs> well, similar. I mean, you're trying to match symbols up and, you know, yeah, cracking yeah. a four-digit code. I mean, yeah, that's a bit different gameplay-wise, but yeah. you know, similar concept. I just thought Nick was a cheap hack. <laughs> well, no, he's an expensive hack. You see how much he's selling Donut Dilemma for? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Got to buy that Ferrari cheap. somehow. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the graphics on here, I thought were pretty well done for Pimo 3. It actually looks like an inside of a cask type thing, you know, the big door arches and stuff. So little chunks of bricks in the walls. 
I mean, aside from the gross color palette, they didn't much of a choice, but. So that was Castle Attack. So River of Fire. Now this is a, a graphical adventure game. Uh, that's a text, text mixture. So you got the graphics on the top, text on the bottom, kind of like Sands of Egypt and a ton of others that have been done. Of course, it's using the uh, PMO3 uh, palette because of its PAL. I like the intro screen with the lava flowing by. That was kind of cool. Now, one thing that's a bit unique about this game, it's got the animated graphics, which I mean, not every graphic adventure game did, but quite a few of them did, the Mark Data products, et cetera, is that as you go between scenes, it'll actually switch between the two color sets, depending on what the scene is. So it actually has eight colors within the game, and it tries to pick palettes that, you know, for whatever you're particularly looking like would look best out of those two sets. And you're just seeing there, it's, it's gone back and forth between three rooms, and each one is alternating the sets. So that's not that was unique. I've never seen a, a graphical adventure game do that, where it's actually switching the color sets depending on the room you're in. So I thought that was pretty uh, innovative. Try you know, get, really getting color out of color computer or you know, out of the dragon in this case. Okay, next up after that is uh, Death Valley, another one I'd never seen before. This is an arcade style game. So you're the thing on the bottom, they're shooting up and you got to shoot all the aliens before they come down. And if they actually make it to the bottom there, that landed bar goes up and you also have a time limit. But it has nice animated backgrounds of like volcanoes and this nice new alien terrain and sun and stuff. Ooh, yeah, that backdrop almost looks digitized. Yeah, the mountains really look nice. really good. And you get aliens of different sizes and colors and... And they actually kind of remind me of some of them, speaking of Nick Morandi's again, they kind of remind me of some of your Space Invaders and your Space Invaders clone that you drove, drew. Notice the sprites can overlap too, like uh, pass in front of the planet and stuff. Yeah. That one's not bad. Yeah, I thought it was, uh, visually it's it's quite good for that that type of, uh, how did you take off? Sort of beginning the path that Donkey Kong Country ended up in, where just a 2D platformer has all of this drama. Yeah. Cool. Oh, it's a pretty, pretty visually good-looking game for a PMO3 game. I was impressed. Sound gets annoying after a while. <clears throat> okay, next one up after that is Droids. A nice semi-graphic start screen. So this one you got the aliens coming in from the side, then they start stealing bricks out uh, in the middle. This is uh, this is comic cosmic uh, ambush in the arcades. Uh, I did think it looked familiar, but I couldn't remember the name of the game, so I didn't couldn't look it up to make sure. And the speed definitely picks up as, as more and more of the aliens get killed and it gets like wicked fast. I think in the arcades, this actually used the same hardware as a Space Invaders machine. Uh, Cosmic Invaders rather, I think it was called. I'll just look it up. And once again, they went and switched the, the, the modes to give you a bit more color to play with. That was a cool one. I hadn't seen this one before either, so. 
I think the single best game that pulled that off was Polaris as far as mixing up the two color modes and the variety of colors. Yeah. That one went through all kinds of color sets. This one here is a game that uh, I just put up on my site. We did cover it a little bit before, but it was a pretty crappy video. So, And this guy actually actually knows how to refuel, which I didn't know when I even tried it to put it on the website. So um, I have to try it again now that I actually know you can do that. So it kind of gives you a 3D perspective as aliens fly in. That's kind of like Gyrus a little bit. Yeah, perspective-wise, definitely. Yeah. And you got to watch your fuel, too, which is something I did not realize when I was trying it. And this one, I can guarantee, works on the Coco, because I have played it. Do you know what guarantee means? <laughs> I like the rotation on those TIE Fighters. That's really cool. Yeah, and they actually zoom in, too, as they come yeah. in from the distance. And the fact he's using blue for space kind of offsets the nasty green, you know? Yeah. Now here he does the refueling sequence, which I didn't do. And actually, it's kind of, you can, I don't know if you can read it on the stream here, but it actually says fuel on that top ship, so. Now it's recharging your fuel. Oh, that looked like a, that looked like a freaking mothership that you had to fight or something. Yeah, you had to blast a hole in it. Yeah. And there's different aliens as you go on. I can't remember if he actually gets to him. Oh, there's your death sequence, which is pretty, pretty interesting. Reminds me of Xenix a little bit, actually. My little coronaviruses. <laughs> oh, here's the asteroid field you have to fly through. You can't shoot them. They look like coronaviruses. I don't know, just it's a very well done arcade game with a lot of good 3D elements, uh, some pretty cool effects, uh, pretty unique gameplay. I don't know, Nick, have you seen an arcade game like this or? Nah. So I think it's an original as far as I know. Little pellet hack and you're there. Yeah. Will this work on the Coco 3? Um, I tried it on my Coco 1. I didn't try my Coco 3, but I don't see why not. It should work fine. And I think it's on the archive, too, if I remember. Anyway, pretty cool game. Uh, next up is uh, Return of the Ring. Where is that? There we are. Is that when your fiancé calls it off? <laughs> So I was watching the beginning of the video. Oh, it's just a text adventure game type thing. Uh, no, actually, it's not. It's um, it's somewhat text adventure, and then it's somewhat more interactive graphics type thing. So I'll just fast forward a little bit here. So once you get to a certain part of the game, you're actually moving around a scrolling map. Sounds like a telemachine. But it still has the text adventure element. You still type some of your commands to do certain things. So it's kind of a combo. You put in there. Yeah, it reminds me of gameplay like Ultima type thing where you're wandering through the map with the arrow keys, but those usually just had single key commands for you know pick up object or drop or whatever. And this one actually uses the full text interactivity of a text adventure game combined with the easy moving scrolling map. 
which I haven't seen done too often before. So thought it was an interesting visual. Now I said a note here. It looks kind of turn-based where the other guys don't move if you don't move. Yeah. So it's almost like a combination real-time when you're moving, but once you... Yeah. yeah. What's the command he's typing in there? Transact? Or was that... A-W, a... attack something? Oh, okay. Maybe? Check the world. <laughs> it's transact west, try to interact with whoever that is, hmm. and then attack west. Okay. But it has these little sub-games, too, like this one here. Like, all of a sudden, the gameplay is a bit different again. And the screen size has actually changed because yeah. the uh, text window is, you know, much smaller. Now, the fact these things are being painted like they are makes you wonder if this was compiled basic or something. Yeah, or, or basic with machine language subroutines, because that scrolling when he's wandering around wouldn't be that fast and basic. But My question is, what command took over the T so you have to spell out transact? Because you can do AW. Yeah. I, I just thought it was an interesting one because it mixes a kind of yeah. couple of different methods of play of, of yeah. an adventure game or a game and all into one game. So there's, there's a fair bit of variety in this one compared to what a normal you know, standard graphic text adventure game or a standard RPG style game would be. It kind of combines the elements from both of those worlds. Yeah. So anyway, that's a pretty cool one, I thought. Uh, next up after that is juxtaposition, which I think is here. Which is another, you know, looks like a standard text adventure game with a you know, bit of a picture here. So you go wandering around and you do your text adventure thing. But you actually exit the dome, and then all of a sudden the gameplay mechanic changes pretty drastically. If I can find it. So now all of a sudden you're outside, and you've got this you know, view. We'd switch to a graphic view again. Kind of shades and of Sands actually, of Egypt here. Yeah, and then it almost, it, it draws fast enough. It almost gives a 3D effect as you're walking. Like you'll see him when he comes walking towards oh, something. Oh, yeah, look at that. I gotta say, these P Mode 3 fonts are pretty decent too, with the mixed case and everything. Yeah. Well, for a second, I thought those were sheep. I'd say David Lab would be getting excited, but yeah, it's uh, trees. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Steve. <laughs> that castle but, but the 3D the effect of walking through the scene here yeah, is actually it's pretty, pretty decent. quick, too. So, are these uh, disc based games? I don't know. Um, disc games on the Dragon were a lot more rare, or just ones that required this because the disc drive is so expensive and, and you know not easily obtainable at the time. So I'm not sure. I, I'm hopefully some of the Dragon people in the chat will be able to you know chime in on some of these. But uh, I haven't actually downloaded that one to try it yet. I've got to see if I can find it because it definitely looks like an interesting game. Okay, Sword and a Sorcerer. Uh, Davey Mitchell says cassette. Okay. That's that's pretty impressive, actually. Thanks, Davey. I need to step away, guys. You guys all have a good rest right, of your show. Thanks, good Brian. Yep. Right, here's thanks, some Brian. PAL artifacting here with that purple. Yeah, this one's actually meant to be a two-color pure game. So if you have your you know composite mono switch, you know hit it. Yeah. <laughs> Attack and defense, huh? Yep. Nicely laid out. Oh, then look at that. Nicely drawn that, monsters. that Minotaur-looking guy looks good, huh? 
We should actually get the, whoever did this one to contact uh, Paul Shoemaker because that one game he had to pull because the original artist yeah. didn't like him using the artwork. Uh, this guy did some pretty decent artwork too, so maybe they yeah. should collaborate <laughs> if he's still around. I have is no this idea. a new brew or this is a back in the day? I think it's a back in the day one. That guy kind of shades a dagger out there with the scorpion or spider or whatever that is there kind of coming yep. up. Giant spider and a silver dagger. Uh-huh. And it's written in basic from what I can tell. From the sound and from the speed of you know clearing out this text and stuff. Yeah, I love. I we've seen this more in the dragon than anything else. But taking the whole text adventure genre and turning it on its ear, uh, and yeah. just adding a little value added to it. Um, and, and the unique approaches, like yeah. you know, mixing a three D walkthrough or yeah. mixing you know a, a arrow key real time moving with a text adventure. Like I don't recall any Coco games doing that. Yeah. So Ziggy's probably about the closest I can think. <laughs> that skeleton looks pretty cool. Yeah. No, he did pretty good for, you know, two color graphics movie. Yeah. Very legible font. Yep. You attack poorly. Wow, it's very judgmental, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you manzy pansy, yeah, just... mamby pamby. <laughs> you, you are a like wimp. A girl. <laughs> Don't let the politically correct police get onto that one. <laughs> Ooh, a genie. Ooh, look at that. And you, some food. You got you like know a what bottle I mean? of wine like you, and some bread can, and cheese. The artwork is very just, you know, self-explanatory. You know exactly what you're looking at here. Yeah. The genie sells you the magic potion and leaves the room. Mio likes it. That's cool. I like that. Battle axe. Really yeah. well done graphics. Yeah, I, and all kind of fitting in the perspective of the scene, too. Oh, look at that, like a unicorn. Yeah, making David happy again. <laughs> anyway, it's a, it's a rather interesting one, too. What, what, what's it's that one called that you just showed off there? That one is called Sword and the Sorcerer. Sword and Sorcerer. Okay, very cool. Next one up is Starman Jones, which is... Kind of defenders, what is he, a, a space bit? pimp, Starman Jones, bitch. <laughs> so Starman Jones is the name of a Heinlein novel. Oh, is it really? Okay, I'm like Rick James. I'm Rick James, bitch. <laughs> Starman Jones. <laughs> Mark the time where Stevie has gone loopy. <laughs> oh, is he like in a hover chair? Yep. In a gym. Look at this guy. Him. Look at this guy. He He's this. like got a flying lazy boy as he hovers through and shoots at things. So. And, and then, you know, just streaming pee at everybody as far as I can tell. <laughs> it's like, I want to defend the galaxy, but I want to do it from a comfortable position. So put me in my... I want to be able to, yeah. I want to, be able to pee on my, own, <laughs> my enemies. As long as I've got my jetpack power. I don't want to have to stop. That's right. Uh, stop right there. <laughs> There's a bulletin board for a sword and the sorcerer down there, a billboard ad. Yeah, mm. right down there from the same author. Mm. But he's got nicely drawn terrain. It's not just the generic yeah. mountains. You got defender. He's got like runways and helicopters and boats. There's also a refueling station you have to refuel occasionally um, that you have to like, you know, land on and then refuel. Yeah, I like that it's using the inverted one, kind of like some of the Mark Data ones did, um, where you got black on white, but then he's got some inverted stuff down there too with the craters and stuff yeah that's neat yeah and then level two introduces some more monsters yeah so yeah, take a good look level. stevie <laughs> <laughs> yeah, level two. 
We're good. Multi-voice music. Oh, look at the bigger font for first place. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Again. Fire Force we've seen before, so we'll skip that one. Next one I had was Kung Fu the Master. Spaceman Jones, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happened when Stevie gets overworked. That's it. <laughs> this is when the overtiredness kicks in. I'm from tired to loopy. <laughs> oh, this is like Kung Fu Master. <laughs> yep. I'll kick oh, you wow. in the look nuts. At that. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> Shame we don't have more of these that run on the cocoa. That's, oh, he like disappears pretty... into a puff of smoke. You gotta love that. Oh, jumping over a dagger. Ooh, that didn't look good. And they, they had a couple of these kung fu games. We found that Shaolin Master before, which was kind of like cool. similar to this too. That's cool. Duck under the knife. Duck again, kick him in the shins, and poof, he's gone. <laughs> Just like Stevie. So we can find where he finishes level one here. I want to see some more Starman Jones, bitch. <laughs> Starman Jones. I think Stevie's on something. Stevie went, it's five o'clock somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, because you get the things that drop in your head. You get the things uh, that break open snakes oh, and dragons. dragons. Stevie didn't really need food. He had to go and roll a joint. <laughs> Look out for that snail. There's a high-speed snail coming at you. <laughs> Stevie, there's no snail there. I'm sorry. You're, you're, you're seeing things. He did roll a joint. <laughs> that, what was that? Snake. That wasn't a snail? What was that? A little The snake. The snake. Okay, whatever. Snake man. Looked like a high-speed snail for a second there. So, and Nick, were you asking a question, Nick uh, Marantes? No, not me. Okay, so somebody was trying to ask something earlier. I couldn't quite. Hear. Uh, Mikey wants to know what the controller for this is. Is a keyboard or joystick? Or... I have no idea. I haven't tried this one. I gotta say, it's pretty one. neat though. The whole idea of the kind of kung fu dude side-scrolling. No, it's, it, it, and we didn't really get, we had Kung Fu Dude, and that was pretty well it as far as, well, Karate, I guess, by DICOM. But they had, like, the Shaolin Master, which is kind of like a hyper version of this one. And they had this one as well. So, I mean, they had quite a few good ones on the Dragon. Now, this one is an interesting one. I've never seen this one before, too. It's called Sky Joust. And you take a look at the beginning, you go, ah, it's a Joust clone. Not quite. But wait, there's more. Hold my beer. Uh Okay. Go back to the beginning. Sky Joust. Well, yeah. So this looks like Joust, right? Oh, look at that semi graphics with the scrolling music too. Okay, I'm a color me impressed so far. Excuse me, color me impressed. You can shoot. Oh wow! Now that's Joust, man. That's Joust with the machine gun, bitch. I'll shoot your ass down. Extreme Joust. That's Starman Jones playing Joust, bitch. That's right. He'd be keen. Better than Lancer. Beats the crap out of Buzzard Bait. So we were we were talking about oh. Buzzard Bait and Lancer oh. and Pegasus. Not anymore. This is my favorite. Hey, you can shoot the bitches now. Oh, shoot. Style man Joe's ain't afraid to shoot a bitch. Today's <laughs> quote, shoot the bitches. And then the other cool thing, this takes place, I don't know if you can tell by the top, but you're in front of a castle, right? 
can see the kind of the turrets and stuff on the two yes, sides. Yeah, that's neat. When you go to the second level, you actually scroll up to the next play field area. Okay, that's like a castle in the background, right? Oh yeah, look at that. And there's your pal artifacting. Kind of like Pegasus, uh, fun. Yeah, Pegasus, like changing the scenery. Phantom Riders, yeah. Now they're at the top of the castle. He's fighting. Yeah, it sounds like a diarrhea shark. The, the uh, fire there, but is this yeah. historically accurate? Yes. Yeah, they had. Of course, they had flying uh, ostriches with machine guns back in the day. You wait till the kill rabbit comes out. Yeah. <laughs> run rabbit, away! Run That's pretty cool. The see me, you know. It's his, it's but a flesh wound. How about how about rooms of unusual size? Yes. Sky just. That's cool. Fast forward a little bit more. See if it, see if it changes scenery again. Now we're going even higher. Take your time. Please. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now it's open, open air. What are those? Like flying penguins? Yeah, when you shoot them, they fly up off the screen. Like you don't actually kill them per se. Okay, kind of like a shooting gallery thing. Yeah. So I'm assuming uh, you still get the other guys that you're fighting yeah. as well, still at the same time. So I'm assuming you can run into them and still die if you're trying to dodge them. Right. 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 And they're shooting back now, in case you. Didn't now, understand. does it still have the original joust mechanic where you could boink them if you're higher than them, or is it just shooting? Nope. No. Okay. Shooting. Joust. Any eggs you have to pick up? That's cool, though. That is definitely twisting the game on its ear, right? This, uh, yeah, I, I, that one I want to try. I haven't tried it yet, yeah, but the, yeah. that one I'm going to see if I can find a copy of. And I'll fix that one for the Coco if it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> you got till November. <laughs> Next up is uh, Star Defense. This is actually the last one of the newer ones. Is this a pop? <laughs> okay, Defender-ish. Yeah, I like the explosions. He did the animation of the explosions pretty good when you shoot the aliens. Yeah. Yeah, the scrolling's pretty smooth. That must have been a smart mommy just activated, yep. right? No radar, though. That's one yeah. thing different. Fluorescent lights really, really... Uh, New way of assembling. Can't seem to shoot the fluoro though. Yeah, Just right. stays there. Smart mom. There's no people to pick up, but the mountain nope. range is cool. Yeah, so the gameplay mechanics is a little bit different in the the you don't have a radar, so you don't really know where they're coming from. And then you don't have the uh, humans to worry about as well. No, I like the explosion there, it's cool too when your ship blows up. Player yeah, one. when you when your ship blows up to your particles that hit the side of the screen, they actually ricochet back like there's an invisible barrier there. Ah, they okay. don't just fly off. A little bit different. I'm trying to remember if there's other aliens when you get into a new wave here. I could just get more intense. Oh, they're dropping bombs now. Okay. That's neat. And that is it. A lot of cool games. But there's a the couple track. of pretty cool ones I've never seen before, and uh, I definitely want to try a couple of them, especially Sky Joust, because, you know, 
being able to shoot your opponents from a distance. I mean, that just took the whole Lancer buzzer debate, debate out of me completely because this is the winner now. Because yeah, fun. yeah. <laughs> Joust with guns. What else do you need? Yeah. Very cool. Very, very cool. Uh, okay, so what's next? We're gonna do some project updates and acquisitions. Is that where we are in the Sounds program? Sounds good to me. All right, we want to take a commercial break. We'll come back with some project updates and acquisitions. Mm -hmm. And I think we need a little cocoa do as we switch out here. Oh yeah. Cocoa un ordinateur couleur, quelle la personnalité Le Coco 2 de Radio Sac. On solde pour Noël à partir de 149,95. And now, Coco Thought by Samuel Gimes. If you're using your color computer in Quebec and it stops working, is it now a Coco won't do? Hi, Ron Delvo, Timberman, Coco Fest, Coco Talk. In a world where RGB produces black and white video, One cable can make a difference. Switcheroo. Coco3scartcable.com Hey, have you got your Coco 3 yet? Hi, this is Rick Adams, author of Temple of Rom and Shanghai, and you've tuned into Coco Talk nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. What's going on everybody? Original Gamer Stevie Stroh here and if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro gaming then you're going to love our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com There you will find custom designs by Instagram artist Joel M. Adams. You can get I'm a Coconut, Coco Talk and other cool video game images on a t-shirt, coffee mug or mouse pack. So if you love retro then head on over to the retro swag shop at 8bit256.com today. Tell them the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Radio Shack Storewide Manager's Red Tag Sale is on now. We've slashed prices 20%, 30%, 40%, 50%. Save on famous Radio Shack Hi-Fi, car stereo, radios, toys, TV games, calculators, walkie-talkies, and CB radios. Look for the big red tag. Save like never before on these and literally hundreds of red tag specials. Hurry into Radio Shack today. Hi, this is Randy Kindig of the Foppy Days Podcast. I just love me some cocoa, and nobody covers it better than Steve Strobridge. You're listening to Cocoa Talk. Obviously, he's never heard Grant Leedy, because Grant Leedy does a hell of a lot better <laughs> job than I do. Uh, all right, oh, so we thank you very much, are Stevie. back. We are back with everyone.
everyone's favorite topic, everyone's favorite uh, show here. And, uh, oh, what, what am I doing here? Yeah, that's what I need to do. We are now on the updates and acquisitions part of the show. Everyone's favorite part of the show. Um, who said they had things they wanted to share? I think uh, Mr. Jason, the Cocoa Man, Reichard, had something he wanted to tell us at home. I did. I did. Oh, oh look, I'm on here. Okay. Uh, I've had, you know, uh, again, known for... I look ridiculous, but that doesn't matter. I, I, I still look ridiculous. I still look ridiculous. What am I? Who am I kidding? Uh, I, I've, I've had I've had some uh, I've had some requests. There we go. Uh, I've had some requests, and I've decided to uh, start fulfilling some of those requests uh, for uh, a particular piece of hardware. And I'm going to I'm I, I'm announcing here, and this will be up on my website soon. It's not up on this second, but I am going to start offering uh, drive wire cables for the cocoa. Huh. And they will have they will have these uh, nice uh, molded uh, nine pin ends, uh, technically known as a DE nine, but more more uh, more commonly referred to as a DB nine. But that will be for your uh, PC serial port, and then of course your uh, four pin for your uh, bit banger port on your color computer oh, or MC ten. Mm -hmm. How do you like you the wanna... cable quality on those? I am impressed. I, I I'm really impressed. I, I like now, these. Now, do these quality. cables have an Australian name? I don't have an Australian name for them. No. Um, maybe I'll come up with something. Okay. But, um, yeah, that's. Uh, you know, I didn't even think of a name. Now, did, are are they? What is the length? Is the length in United States okay. measurement units, or is it in metric? Okay. Units. Um, it can be in either. Okay. Um, I'm going to offer a a. a I'm going to call it a six foot. You might get a little bonus length out of that. It might be seven, but we'll call that the two meter cable. Anything okay. else you get is bonus. Uh, two meters or six feet. I'm sure we're all familiar with that measurement uh, d during these trying times. Uh, and that that will be that will be that will be twenty dollars. And then I am so you could use it as your social distancing uh, measuring stick too. <laughs> You could. I. You, it's. It's really awkward when you have to ask the other person. Can you hold the other end of this drive wire cable? Can you hold the other end yeah. of this, please? No. Okay. Then, you know. <laughs> if you don't like the person, you can just whip it at him and hit him with it too to keep him away six feet. So. Yeah, but that, that'll be the two. Uh, that'll be the six feet, uh, two meter version, and then. Uh, Fear that or wear the six foot donut. Right. Right. <laughs> or you yeah. could just take your take your mask off and give him a blast of bad, bad breath. <laughs> I saw a guy. I saw a picture of a fellow with some pool noodle pull noodles on his head there but uh, that's, uh, that's yeah. one way you can do it but um and uh the other thing uh there's i'm also going to have a what i'm going to call a 10 foot cable available looks very similar um but just 10 10 foot you might get a you might get a little bit of bonus length there but 10 we're going to call that 10 foot okay. what is that in metric that's about like three, three meters, meters i think yeah. three we're meters. going to call that three meters three, uh, three meters plus Ten foot plus, you'll get at least ten feet. You'll get at least six feet. You might get a little extra. Just depends on how that all works out. But uh, and those will be those will be those will be twenty five, and those will be on the website at cocoman.biz uh, with very plus plus whatever the uh, shipping charges are going to be. I think like uh, probably one cable in the U.S. will be about five bucks or so. Now, is there is there a toggle switch on these cables? No, that that is that is the thing. This is going to be part of my non toggle switch. Ah, because I was thinking a turbo button would be really nice when yeah. you wanted to kick it into high speed serial mode. Just hit flip that well, turbo actually, switch. Well, um, now let me see here. I, I have it'll have a toggle <laughs> switch if you buy the uh, serial switcher along with it. Ah, right, you, you can. 
works works great with a Joey cereal switch. I, I will <laughs> I will I will admit that works. Uh, I've been testing some. It's great having the actually it's nothing else. It's nice just having the port. Since I have that monitor stand behind me, it's nice having the uh, the ports the, up front. Uh, yeah, the ports right up our front, just kind of like the joystick switch. Uh, right. Same size as the Joey I'd joystick switch. We've uh, this is the Joey cereal switch, um, and and uh, that that's helpful there. But anyway, uh, I mean, I also do have the uh, there's uh, for uh, for turbo mode on DriveWire four. Uh, there's uh, what is that pins pins one and two on the the uh, port. They're already uh, jumpered together for turbo mode for DriveWire four. On all these cables okay but, uh, they, they'll be available soon that's that's it right now i mean uh, i need to put up the uh, i need to put these up and then the uh the the, the uh, joystick audio digitizer cable i talked about during our virtual coco fest i need to put that up there's going to be some uh revamp coming here very soon to the uh and getting more of a real shopping cart system at coco man that's uh, all right. i have very cool thanks for, for that now. update uh i believe mr dave had an update where is mr dave yes. oh i'm still here Okay. Enjoying the show. So you ready, right. you ready to show us your show and tell, Mr. Dave? Yeah, if I could, uh, I will get on it. Go ahead. Thank That's you. Mr. Dave to you. Okay, so I was waiting for a lot of stuff in the mail. I went a little bit crazy. But first I got a surprise. The man that I bought the Coco 3 from... He later sent a package with a mini cassette recorder okay. and some books. And that was never in the listing. Okay. So that was That's a nice, nice little bonus to get. Yeah, I have that Tandy Graphics book. Very nice. Oops. And next up we have... These guys came in. Oh, we got the beige and the silver TIs. Yeah, well, you want the version, right? Is that the speech pack on top? Yeah. So that's going to be some fun stuff to play with because the TI was my first computer, then I upgraded to a Coco. Mm-hmm. Um, I did get my Coco 3. That was good. Uh, oh. Wednesday is junk mail here. Oh, Vic so, 20. Yeah, Vic <laughs> 20 and a C64. C64, okay. C64. Nice. And that's a keyboard from a um, uh, Coleco Adam Tandy, oh, I guess. Oh, nice, nice. All right, let's see what else we got. Okay, now we got the good stuff coming in. Uh-oh. Um where are they? Fasten your seatbelts. <laughs> Where are you guys? Here. Okay. This is another Arabic MSX computer. Wow. Two cartridges. Mm-hmm. If you hold down the control key, it will boot up straight in English. Nice. Now, my only problem with that... I also got a Sony Hitbit. Um, my only problem with that was it's a 220 plug. So now the guys on Discord were not too sure about this method, but you can use two extension cords to get 220 volts. 
that's dangerous. Not quite. <laughs> Maybe. If they're on different circuits. Please don't okay. try this at home. Please. Your Dave were on. is a certified okay, mad scientist and knows how that to That scares the heck out of me. <laughs> that's, oh, there we uh, go. That's two-phase gone mad. <laughs> right. So underneath it, we have my Sony uh, computer. A Sony MSX, and here's a test. So I found two different plugs that would give me uh, 230 volts. <laughs> that just reminds me of David's, you know, plugging two multi packs into each other thing. <laughs> <laughs> right up that territory. <laughs> this, this is a, a true. <laughs> yes, you can do it. Maybe you shouldn't. Mm -hmm. So now we just Enough. made a special connector. Oh, now you're playing. Oh, that's fire. special. Right? <laughs> Ooh, wire wrap. You have a you have an electric dryer you can just unplug instead. <laughs> right. It's a taser. He's got a taser there that he's plugging <laughs> his computer into. That looks like more like it's gonna be a defibrillator when uh clear. <laughs> clear. <laughs> the actions of Dr. Dave are not uh are not uh I think he's gonna by... need a defibrillator. Ah. Uh, so, all right, so oh, there, here we there, go. Here's there's a result. company that sells to the converter transformers. Yeah, why don't you go ahead and post that link? Uh, I right now have just found it. This is a little more industrial, but probably a little more there. safe too. I'd imagine. You need uh, like yes. a new step up transformer. Safe. I have I a lot a... of electrical tape. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> I had a don't friend who do did this the office. At home. He he rewired his office and used two different legs because in the U.S. you have two twenty volts and two different circuits. And he plugged his printer into one circuit and his motherboard, his Apple, into the other circuit, and uh, he didn't have an Apple anymore. <laughs> try try the company that. I just posted the link on. They've got some safer options. So. Did you th do that? Try that over here in Australia and end up with 415 volts. That's <laughs> some really nasty things. Hey. Shouldn't typically have a problem, but obviously something was wrong. Consult an electrician. <laughs> Well, when I get time, I'm gonna I'm gonna put in a proper plug, but I wanted to test my computer. So here's inside the Sony computer, and it has the uh, the Texas Instruments video chip. And by comparison, Yamaha did things differently. Instead of computer chips, they used wires. Instead of traces, they use little wires to connect things. That's yeah. a single-sided, double-sided board. <laughs> yeah, it's got probably traces on the bottom and wires on the top. Uh, very like interesting. So it's very different <laughs> build from the Sony. No solder mask on this side, but it does have silk screen. Interesting. Hmm. So, Mark, we uh, had the same uh, company in mind. Uh, where's my nice cocoa? I just reposted your link with the HTTP, so it's hot, hot linkable from the chat rather than yeah. have to well, cop, copy and paste. YouTube used to complain when I did that. Uh, only because you're not special. <laughs> okay, so this is a Coco 3 with a Boomerang E2 board. Yeah, this is my Coco 3 I ordered from Texas months ago. It finally arrived, and uh, it's got a 512K uh, Boomerang and a 6309 socketed. Actually, that's a two meg. That's upgrade, a two meg because it? it's the E two. You're just E2, missing yeah. the uh, DAT board. Yeah. Yep. Get the DAT board, and you'd be golden. Yeah. Also from Texas. That's an idea. Everything's bigger in Texas. Uh, cool. 
Does that conclude your sharing, Mr. Dave, or did you have something else? That concludes, except I found a, a game that will settle the the buzzer bait lancer debate. Okay. It's the same game, but you fly around as hens. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is on the See, TS. now this one I would take over the one that Curtis showed earlier. Hey, you probably can't shoot in this one, so I don't know about that. Exactly. It's an abomination. Yeah. Okay, this is on the TI, right, <laughs> Mr. Dave? Yeah, you just cripple over everybody. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. I like this show. Yeah. And you don't have to collect eggs, but you can lay your own. All right, thanks for sharing, Mr. I like Dave. the show. Um, who, oh, out- <clears throat> who else had an update or an acquisition? Or- uh, yeah, I got an update. Mr. David O'Connor. Hey. We are now have our eyes focused on you, sir. Okay, I have uh, with me here two cassettes. One cassette here, a nice Maxell chrome tape, one of my favorites, XL2. Crossover demo. Yep, crossover demo. And if we have a look on the J card, just take out that J card. I'm back on uh, Laurel Lair, Dale Lair, uh, Ashley. Yeah. Yep. Dale Lair, keyboards and vocals, Hillary. Jones, drums, vocals, Michael George, electric guitar, vocals, Laurel Lair, bass, and vocals. Wow. Nice. Children so, yeah, that's, the... uh, yeah, courtesy of, of, of Rick Adams. Okay. Um, and I'm putting, transferring these using my Nakamichi decks. Dale um, Lear is author of, uh, of uh, Color Baseball and yep, Nullback. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pick which. Yeah, and I, I, I had chapter. a bit of a listen to I had a bit of a listen to this cassette um, before the show started, stuck it in one of my decks and had a bit of a play. And the recording, it's 1987, just the recording on there, we can see from mm-hmm. there. And the recording has held up ex- exceptionally well. The production is fantastic, and there's some four really nice songs on there. So uh, I'll be transferring that onto my studio computer and remastering it, and then I'll upload it. For, uh, um, so, Rick, I'll, I'll send you the link, and we can pop it up on, on wherever. Um, this one here, have, have a look what's written on that. Temple of Rom, copyright 1983 by Rick Adams. Yes. I'm not exactly sure what that is. Um, well, I mean, what it is, is plain. It's a, uh, it's a cassette, it's Temple of Rom on a cassette tape. Uh, right. but was that what I sent Tandy when I tried to get them interested in the game? Uh, and then they sent it back or was that like a prototype, uh, uh, cassette for me to try out the game and make sure that it would work, or what was that? So I don't really remember what that was, but it'll be interesting to get the, the binary off of that tape and compare it with an actual, you know, Temple of Rum cartridge and see what the differences are. Yeah. So that's the ex- yeah, executable. Sure. That's not the source code listings or anything. Correct. Okay. Is that your handwriting? Hey. And how much will that be on eBay? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not selling those. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... No, I was, I was I mean, referring to I was referring to Nick uh, Morenti's uh, right. dilemma. If no, we look practically... underneath, oh sorry, okay, Rick. Go ahead, Rick. Yeah, uh, practically speaking, uh, it's like if I sold that, I would probably get some somewhat serious money for it. You know, I might get you know what, like if you want. In yeah. my wildest dreams, I would get like $150. And that's nice, but I'd rather have the tape. Oh, you yeah. Know, you know I was totally saying? Yeah. I think you could yeah. dream a little wilder than that, Rick. Come on. Yeah. 
If it was ten thousand dollars, I might think about it. Yeah. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> we've we've got a a rare, sort of a semi-rare uh, Barbie from way back in the day, and you know, I I looked it up and it's like, oh, it's worth about one hundred and fifty dollars, and it's like, well, that's nice, but I'd rather have the, yeah. the rare Barbie. Sure. So. Yeah, one hundred fifty dollars itself is not that rare. <laughs> yeah, if, I have if that. we look under, if we look underneath, I don't know if you can see that. The blue there, leader. There. Yeah. Yeah, if I just put these both next to each other, you'll see that uh, right where my finger is there, yeah. where the tape heads go in, there's yeah. a little felt pad there. Yeah. And you notice on this one, the felt pad's missing. Okay. Ah. That's on the temp Temple of Rum tape. Usually, that's bad news. Usually, it means the tape won't play because it needs that pressure pad to, pressure, to, right. to press the tape right. against the heads. But fortunately, my Nakamichi decks, and this is one of the things that Nakamichi did, they have what's called a pad lifter on the heads that actually lifts the pad out of the way. And the Nakamichi mechanisms are so good, they have a pinch roller on each side of the tape and, and, and two capstans and two pinch rollers. And it actually tensions the tape in between it, removes the pad altogether. Oh. And because because the Nakamichi mechanisms are so accurate, it doesn't even need the pad. So this tape will play fine without any modifications in my Nakamichi deck. Nice. So nice. I'll be able to transfer the contents of that straight onto a onto the studio computer and then uh, put it into one of the Cocos and see exactly what it is. Yeah. So I think I've seen like Tecmon can, has replaced pads in that case. Uh, yeah, you, you, you can that. replace them. You can replace them, but it's a very fiddly job and you've got to get the exact right material, otherwise you wear your heads out. But the like I said, the Nakamichi has a pad lifter on it. Uh, they don't cool. use the pad at all. So it's... Uh, you don't need no stinking pads. Yeah. That's yep, right. Yep, yep, yep. So the other, So the other tape... Uh, the, the Dale Lear crossover demo tape is yep. Dale Lear's, back in the day, uh, Dale Lear w uh, had a Christian rock band, and that was their demo tape, and he gave it to me way, way long, long time ago. So I, I you know, digging around looking for, uh, uh, you know, uh, various tapes of mine, I found that. So, uh, so it'll be interesting to have a listen to that. Uh, the third tape, that I sent to Neil Blanchard, and he digitized it, and then sent and then sent me the tape. He's sending me the, the tape back. Uh, was a company uh, uh, talent show that uh, Dale and I were in the band for, and so there's like a couple of uh, I, I do. Uh, Dale did it like a cover song, and I did a cover song, and then I did an original song. Uh, so I already have MP3s of that. So that I've shared links to on the Discord. So, so that's that's the the talent type. The other the other type you had, yeah. That's, yeah, the talent show, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, the, the, the I was really impressed with the production quality of these originals on this. They're really good quality recordings. Dale was a real pro musician. Um, yeah, it, it he, shows. he did a lot of session work for commercial, you know, actual commercial albums. Oh, there uh, you go. It was kind of interesting when I got hired at the place where Dale worked, uh, I'd actually seen Dale's name. I, I, I have the habit of, you know, when I read it, you know, I'll read like the credits on albums. And I'd seen Dale Lear's name as a, as a bass player on a lot of Christian albums uh, and for, for big name, you know, acts. And uh, so when I met him, uh, when I first got hired, I said, you know, oh, Dale Lear. That's a familiar name. I, have I seen your name on like some album, yeah, some albums as a, as a bass player? He says, oh, yeah, that's me actually. 
So that was kind of. Do you know? Do you know which oh. albums he played on? Which artists he played with? He didn't play with Keith Green by any chance, did he? Uh, I don't think with Keith Green. No. Uh, certainly, he worked with Ashley Cleveland because Ashley Cleveland was uh, a friend of Dale's, uh, and I went to like a Bible study at her parents' house, and her and Dale worked together a lot. So he, Dale probably played on her albums, but he played on other albums before that. And I don't remember which ones. So I guess you'd have to do some Googling and figure that out. Yeah, yeah. Now the recording itself has held up really well too, given it's, you know, from the you know, mm-hmm. late eighties, it's, it's still, it sounds great. Plenty of top end, everything's mm-hmm. there. And it's, um, I noticed he, he, he's recorded it without Dolby. So I don't have to worry about any Dolby tracking issues. So <laughs> it's, yeah, no, it actually, it, it, I, like I said before, I put on these headphones and stuck it in the Nakamichi and it sounds fantastic. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to listening to that. Yeah. Hmm. And I, I've been looking for the talent show tape for years and finally found it. You uh, say you got the tape back now too, Rick? Uh, it's on its way back. Okay. It might be worth sending it off to David O'Connor again too, just because he's got those super decks. He might be able to pull a slightly higher fidelity from the cassette. It might be worth doing, taking another stab at digitizing it. Uh, if you're in, I if don't you re- want to. I'm, if, I don't really think happy. that it would be worth it. But I, I would be happy to send it to him uh, if no, it I'm, gave I'm him than, fun. <laughs> oh, look, I, it's, it's something I absolutely love doing. I'm, I've got a fascination with cassettes that goes right back to the 70s. So uh, uh-huh. and extracting extracting the best I possibly can from them is, is something that's, that's somewhat of a, it's like a, a, a trophy thing for me to try and get the absolute <laughs> best quality. So, uh, yeah, if you want to send it over, I'd be more than happy to. Yeah, to if it's fun it. for you, I'll do it. Yeah. And again, okay, just for awesome. those who may not know, uh, Dale... Uh, passed away a couple of years ago, and you and he were uh, became great friends uh, while he was with us. Correct? Right. Yeah, they were co-workers. We were co-workers. Yeah. Which is why we're you know together playing uh, you know on stage at the company uh, talent yeah. show. I just wanted to give some context for yeah. those who may not. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, yeah, it's like cool. who's, who's that? So. And again, he was the author of Color Baseball and uh, Double Back, and a, and a great sounding guy. So. Yep. And he comes up in our little segments of in you know sometimes at the start of every show oh, yeah. the color baseball. Yeah. Oh yeah. And we uh, what did you do? Uh, what was that something? Uh, computer programming for uh, computer systems that would process credit applications. Hmm. So big banks and things like that. Did you so, ever put uh, little surprise pieces of code in there? <laughs> <laughs> We couldn't Frax, have gotten away with that. Fractions of a penny that get filtered into your nah. account? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I don't think I ever got... did anything like that. Not at that job. Got... I, I, at my current job, I've got a lot of, you know, in the source of our software, there are some funny comments, but that's about it. There aren't any back doors that I put in. Mm-hmm. I just put back doors in my games, you know, so. Are you happy for me to upload those to my YouTube channel, Rick, once I've got them digitized, or would you rather me send them direct to you, or? Uh, I'll send them to me and I'll think about that. Okay. I'm, I'm undecided about that. Uh, it's yeah, kind of okay. interesting. The crossover tape, it's kind of like, that's not my tape. That's not my copyright. So, you know, yeah, the talent okay. show tape is, it's a little, it's a little more clear, especially on my song that I, you know, that I wrote myself. Uh, yep. and the others are like cover songs and, you know, so the legality of that is, is fine, but, uh, uh, yeah, but his okay. tape, 
uh, I'm not sure what the you know what what the right thing to do is for that. Yeah, fair uh, enough too. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like but I should you know send it to his family or something. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, be a great yeah. great thing. Um, yeah, that's why I was asking first. I don't want to just go uploading right, stuff. Right, issues yeah. and stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Diego, do you get anything that you've been working on that you can share with us, or not nothing, nothing to go public with yet? Not much. I've been doing some work on the X filer to get the long file names and folders. But uh, the way that I need to do it, I'll have to write a lot to the directory tracks in the disks. So I'm doing kind of a heavy rewrite on the program itself. Okay. Uh, kind of getting over it again. I mean, it's it's sort of ready if you uh, if you keep it in a live live mode. But once you close the program and open it again, since it didn't really save everything to the disk track, long names are no longer there. The directories are no longer there. Hmm. Okay. But, yeah, it's going to take a while. It's a, almost a full rewrite of the program. Uh, let's hope it goes fast enough because that, that's my doubt, my concern also. That because I need to write a lot more to the directory track if it's going to go to, to slow it down too much. Okay. Okay. Just wasn't sure if you and just wanted to make sure we didn't forget to ask you. We don't get to see you all the time. I'm just glad to have you here. Um, anybody else? Ron Delvo, did you have anything you wanted to talk about this week? Terry Steggy sent, sent me this old computer. Oh, nice. Oh, that yeah. is cool. That's cool. It's a Tekra. It's an early, early 90s Toshiba. I have a yeah. couple of those. Weighs about 20 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what's really cool. slick with those? is the cd it will come out and then you can put it in an external uh case on a cord and you put the floppy disk in so you can yeah. oh it was CD. a bay a drive bay right yeah bay yeah, yeah right. i've seen some like that and those bays were like multi multi identities yeah, like multi some of them could be like extra battery power or other things like yep. that too right yeah yeah i had a 46 based version of that at work years and years ago so yeah i don't have yeah, a power to... cord for it yet mm. those to shave the laptops are, are really really they're bulletproof they're really reliable yeah, and they have a track point, like an IBM track point in them. Also, the power cord is just one of those little oval-shaped ones. The power supply is built in. So, no, Yeah, they're great. I, I actually have multiple hard drives. I have one with OS2 warp on it. I have another with Windows on it, and then just switch them around. It's really great. Now, you probably, um, Go ahead. Sorry about that. And it probably has a real serial port, which means you can use it as a drive-wire server. Oh, yep. cool. Or a oh, terminal yeah. into she, Nitrous 9. Yep. Yep, exactly. Yeah. I'll make um, you a power cord. <laughs> hey Ron, how much how much memory does it have? Oh my beer! Oh yeah, it, it may be it's, as it, much it, as twenty minutes. it? None after the power cord's connected to it. The yeah, one yeah. I have actually has like ninety six megs in it. It's like sixty four plus another sixteen. Wow! I was like, really? Nineteen ninety two had like more than sixty four megs in it. Megs like, or K? Loaded, Meg? so, uh, no, no megs. Yeah, megs Meg. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's a loaded system. It's got this laptop. It's got more than sixty four megs in it from the early yeah. days. Yeah, oh, that's insane. Dang. Um, Ron, you also you got something else from Terry too, didn't you? Get your stickers that like yeah. your imaginary stickers that you. Yep, I put them on my machines. And is uh, that something you could I, show I, us, or that you're not? They're not I, in a position where we uh, could see them. I, I don't have it up. Okay. Uh, they're on Facebook. You guys can, somebody wants to bring that up. Yeah, you can find it on my um, 
bronze garage page yeah it's also on uh coco page too okay yeah i thought those he's were kind of neat those, yeah they uh, are stickers yeah I, I, he surprised me completely yeah, you know, yeah. i said you made these and then he asked me if they fit they were perfect terry's you know? <laughs> <laughs> a good great. guy terry's all right yeah. he's all right he's got a big heart yeah yeah, yeah. regarding uh, drive wire and cereal you can you can um you can use a drive. Uh, let me try that again. <laughs> you can use a modern computer with USB to serial adapter, can't you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's so rare to find a physical serial port on machines anymore that it's just kind of when you when you find them, use them, you know, because they're there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it, they started phasing them out about 15 years ago, and then a few like IBM's and Dell's had them until about 10 years ago. That's what they look like. Yep. Yep. There's yeah. an EGA and a serial. Yeah. Yep. Crazy. I, I've got a couple. I've got a couple of old laptops here with uh, RS two three two serials in them, so I might use one of them for a drive wire. Hmm. I have an IBM ThinkPad twenty five that has both a parallel and a serial, and it runs like Windows ninety five and DOS. So. Nick, That's all you ever need, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Nick Morenti, you got yeah. anything? Any updates or <laughs> anything you want to tell us about that you're working on? Uh, well, I'm still working on Rally SG, the game. Um, and it's it's finished, but I'm at a stage where I'm uh, I'm doing the uh, feature creep and uh, <laughs> fine tuning, documentation, packaging. Yeah, so there's a, a bit of work, feature but the creep. code is the code is the done. Feature, the feature you creep have is, the, the, is the longest process, isn't it? Well, <laughs> that's right. You gotta you gotta <laughs> learn when to stop. Well, <laughs> but have you ordered your stamper? For the cassette tape, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> $250 on eBay. Yeah. $250. Also, is there going to be an early bird discount where you're only going to charge $229 per copy? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Discount. <laughs> Pre-order. Get it while it's yeah. cheap. Pre-order and save 10%. I actually, I actually did send a, a, a message to that guy on the donut dilemma. says, look, I'm interested. You know, I told him I'm the... Uh, developer and the creator of that game mm-hmm. but not for 250 will you take 10 ten dollars ten dollars hard money and a million dollars in gratitude i told you you ain't gonna sell it so take the 10 <laughs> interesting you throw in interesting some vegemite to, interesting to hear his response to you Nick. yeah yeah, yeah i know let me actually believe you uh, let me predict his response. An expli- yeah. expletive. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was, I was going to go for maybe an expletive or yeah. <laughs> something that rhymes with pluck yourself. So, <laughs> or, or or it might be crikey, crikey. Um, did anybody well, else? You got to be, be shading me. Sawed off. Did anybody else have any updates or acquisitions? Uh, Alan, I have one minor one to mention. Okay, let's. Well, Alan uh, Rose's for anybody hand who's first. on the Alan uh, Rose's the, hand first. Alan's first. Yeah, we don't want any look. Curtis. <laughs> uh, just the real, real quick. I got a shipment from the Cylon Homeworlds. So okay. A mini MPI and uh, a Coco SDC from my Coco 2. So it's up on Drywire now. Ah. And that's all good. And um, Curtis might like this one. So. Oh, wow. OS 9 level one, or oh. what is that? Yep. OS 9 level one. So I, I actually have a, a legal license now. I thought it's it was drive. Pegasus Phantom Riders. Nope. And that's hey, it. Alan, you should show us your, your uh, double-decker Coco setup there. How does that work? Uh, the Coco 2, Coco 3, and an MC-10 in the back. There you go. 
already and available at any time. Yeah, they're all available at the same time. Um, so I've got an LCD panel up here for the Coco 3, and then I've got uh, a CRT that I can do for the Coco 2 or the uh, MC10, and I'm getting a Coco VGA for the Coco 2, and then I can put it up on the LCD. So it has a VGA port as well. And I can run the Coco 3 over an HDMI to my big monitor, which is I'm currently using for all this other stuff. Cool. Aren't you Makes just an up. overachiever? <laughs> no, it's just playing catch up as fast as I can. Cool, cool, cool. All right. What? This is one of the games I had as a kid, and I was able to reacquire it. Thanks. Uh, to, uh, Mr. No, we don't want to hear you, Nick. We've got to hear Curtis now. It's yeah. not oh. your turn. <laughs> I don't yeah. care. Oh, when you have hair like this, you don't wait for anybody. Oh, there he goes. He plays the card. Oh, <laughs> wow. picture up again. <laughs> oh. I, I'm using my hair privilege. That's it. Oh, oh there we uh, go. L. Curtis Boyle, it is now your turn, sir. <laughs> oh, Actually, he muted me. <laughs> <laughs> I will not be silent. <laughs> I need to see Nick out. and Mad Dude in a big swoosh. In <laughs> pull, pull a plug out. Throw Unmute it. it. Pull a plug out. Yeah. Turn off his electricity. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say now after all that nonsense. Sorry. <laughs> okay, now it's Nick's turn. <laughs> I just wanted to say if anybody else is on the Gimme X beta program and has the beta boards from um, Ed, I wrote and just uploaded last night a quick little utility for Nitrous Nano just to, to check to see if you have a Gimme X installed. And then it should report the firmware version of it because there's been a couple of versions around of the firmware and also identify whether yours has been set up for the SDR, the old speed RAM, which means you can only run up to 1.78 megahertz, or if it's got the DDR version, which will run the full 2.86 that requires a boomerang with some modifications to it, you know, flash firmware upgrade, the Triad Plus, or the actual two meg board that Ed's selling too. So I want some people to test it because so far it's just been me. Bill's kind of been busy with his wedding plans here because he's getting married in a couple of weeks. So he hasn't had a chance to test it. So I'm hoping if somebody else is on the beta program. Best way to ruin a relationship, it. getting married. <laughs> I know. I think smartassery in your case has a lot to do with it too. But... <laughs> Not actual advice. <laughs> anyway, please test it and let me know if it seems to be working properly for anybody else listening. I'd love to do that, but I've got Pearl Coco threes and uh, give me X. Unfortunately, it doesn't fit. So I'm still going to work out with Ed what we're going to do. You, there. you just need to get an NTSD motherboard and do what Nick Moranti's did. And then, that's then you'll have what your artifact colors. Yeah, that's what um, Ed and I are discussing, is swapping motherboards. I'll give right. him a PAL one so he can work on a Gimme X for PAL, and I'll have an NTSC one that'll run the current Gimme X. When you said stuff to the states, how long does it take? Usually, it's yeah. usually I can get things within two to three weeks, but with coronavirus, that those tapes that, that I just received, that took like two months to get here. Wow. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah all, all normal shipping times, especially international, are out the window right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. there's somebody yeah. behind you, Ron. She's right behind you. Yeah. yeah. I got a couple of things I can show real quickly. It's just a brief show. It's because I haven't had a chance to hook anything up yet. But um, if you were following um, the um, MC10 group on Facebook, as I'm sure a lot of people do religiously, Ed no. Snyder uh, posted pictures of this. This <laughs> is my MC10 that he upgraded. So there you are. The, Look the, at the only thing I can show you is this is the composite mod here. Right, which is the same thing Brian Weasel was showing earlier. So you're basically using like a stereo jack. It's a two-lead 
yep. one eighth inch to two uh, RCA outs. So one will be audio, one will be video. So that's the composite mod. This also has the internal 8K um, upgrade where you can run a full P mode four screen. And the other thing he sent me with it, which I haven't had a chance to do with, with uh, do anything with, because um, I haven't even looked at this yet. I've been so busy with work. But this is a replacement GAL chip for my um, MCX128 that will ma makes it compatible with the internal 8K upgrade here. So that I got this like I think Monday or Tuesday. It came in pretty quick, and I just have literally had no time to play with this. I really can't wait to hook this up and get the composite going and play with uh, MC10 software on a beefed out um, MC10. Something else I've been eBaying too that's it's definitely retro related, just not computer related, but I've gotten back into reading these books from my childhood. This was a series of books that's called The Alfred Hitchcock and the Three Investigators. It's books, I remember reading my first one in second grade. I got it from the public library. And this Peter was like- Jones and the boys, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I like for birthdays and Christmas, I would get books like these. And I think there was over two dozen of them um, in this format. So I had a handful that my parents found in a book in their attic and they gave me. So I had like four or five of my original from my childhood and I just been kind of eBaying them now. And I'm actually trying to read them in order. So I'm on book four right now and as I, and I just ordered book five that I found. So I'm going to try to get the collection. There's about 23 of these in this original hardcover wow. format before they switched formats. So an interesting thing to do. It's it's definitely uh, retro related. This book was printed in 1965, so it's a little bit older than the Coco um, is when that series started. So it, it's a pretty cool series. And surprisingly now reading these books uh, many years later, I find that the stories are still kind of entertaining. It's it's a they're made for kids, you know, so it's like a, an adventure of of young kids written for young readers. But the stories um, read well, you know, and and I really like some of the dated references. Like I've I've heard the word tramp a lot, you know. So well, maybe <laughs> maybe we're gonna go down this alley and we're gonna meet a tramp, you know. And it's just like these were very fifty esque. <laughs> you know, things. And so I like some of the references they say, you know, they're very Scooby-Doo-ish, you know, some of the things they say <laughs> and um, the way that, you know, the way the mysteries unfold. So, but I've enjoyed reading them. Um, like, you know, I'm, I'm a person who doesn't like Thank to read. You. Yes, so <laughs> the fact that I'm reading these books, is it says something, right? So now, do they have a lot of pictures or are they pop um, up to keep your attention? <laughs> <of the> world. <laughs> no, mostly a lot of black and white text there. There, oh. there would be one picture about every 20 or 30 pages to capture one scene, which was kind of neat, you know? So very much like a Hardy Boys style thing. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I, I guess hey, that would be a new collection hobby of mine. Yeah. Who was this? Who just called me? There's Mark. Uh, according right. to Wikipedia, there are 43 books in the series. Yes, there oh, is, wow. but I think they switch publishers and switch authors at some point in time. So I think in that original oh, yeah. Random House hardback version, there ended up being about 23 or 24, and then I think things switched. But there's a website and a Facebook group that I'm a member of, too. And apparently they got really popular, like in Germany, and they were translated to a lot of different languages. And so that series is um, – and just like we were posting pictures in our in our Coco group when we get something new, there are people posting pictures in this uh, Facebook group, too, for the Three Investigators stuff. So as I'm reading my books, I'm posting pictures of them and stuff, too. So um, I think I probably only read about 15 or 20 of them. So Yeah, I probably read a half a dozen to a dozen in, in my childhood, but – um, I'm on the second book now that I didn't read back in the day, right? So it's kind of cool. And that's it Did for me. Do you guys have the uh, Enid Blyton books over there? Who? Cool. 
Enid Blyton in The Famous Five. It might be an Australian English thing, maybe. I don't no, know. That yeah, does not ring a bell for me. I remember Nancy yeah. Drew, The yeah. Hardy Boys. Um, Encyclopedia Brown. Yeah, Encyclopedia Brown. Yeah. Tom Swift. My dad mentioned Tom Hardy. Swift. I don't remember that name, Tom Swift. We had The Hardy Boys over here. That's, yeah. Remember those ones? Yeah, Tom Swift was more of the 40s and 50s, wasn't it? If I remember uh, Tom Corbett and Tom Swift. But no, there is a 1980s Tom Swift series called Tom Swift 3. Hmm. Interesting. I like so. the Two Minute Mysteries. Yeah, those were kind of really, too. really, really short stories. Yeah. To say, you yeah. Know, why did you know that the person killed them? Right. Oh, there's an ice right, cube right, and right. water was left behind and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I, I don't know if this happened on the Alfred Hitchcock series, but I know on the Hardy Boys, like if you go back to the very original, the little brown cover that were just plain brown cloth and text type thing, some of the stories got completely rewritten when they re released them on the blue hardbacks. Hmm. Like not huh. just tweaked a little bit for language, but like the story had nothing to do with the original. And one I remember because really? I had both versions was the Flaming Torch mystery, because the original one was completely different plot than the, the, the revised later one that came out. Oh wow! Yeah. Wonder now, why they did that. I don't know about well that that's possible because I noticed was I'm looking for these on eBay as they were re-released through different generations. They've changed the covers to make you know make them more appropriate for you know the 80s versus the 70s or 60s or whatever. Um, on the website, they do talk about some errata in the different publications and republications. So some of them were grammatical, some of them were continuity breaks, other ones were just like uh, editing mistakes. And so there's the website gets pretty cool in the different versions and how to tell what version you have and things like that. So it is kind of an interesting little hobby too to collect old books. And it's probably easier to find some of these books than it is to find some of the Coco stuff that we're looking for. <laughs> You know, yeah. so. are they charging 250 bucks a copy yet or yeah well I mean, they, it's, it's interesting they they have like the one i just bought i bought book five i think i got it for 28 dollars with shipping but the, that book i just showed you guys i got a group of four books with shipping for just under 30 dollars which is really good because sometimes they sell for 30 good. bucks a book there are some people selling them for several just like a cocoa just like that 250 dollar donut dilemma there are people trying to sell individual books for hundreds of dollars um so it really depends on the seller but I am going to start watching for those books on eBay now, too. This mm -hmm. More old crap to put in my house to make my wife really happy. <laughs> That's one thing I enjoy about being single. I can bring in whatever I want, whenever I want. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I'm like, what's his name? Uh, Jetpack Space Jones, right? <laughs> Riding your lazy boy. That's right. Getting my rocket-powered lazy boy. Shooting shit up. <laughs> Being on things. Yeah. In the middle of space. Anybody else? Got anything they want to talk about I've before we one. put a... Uh, Rick, Rick Adams. Legendary game designer. Rick Adams. Yeah. Oh, come on now. Um, let me share my screen. Uh, well, let me first explain. Uh, for some demented reason, I got the, the itching to... Uh, try to do write some programs in basic which i never back in the day really played with a whole lot because you know you weren't going to write a program that can sell it to, to radio jack so i wanted to do but the problem is that uh entering basic programs from an actual computer uh makes me want to scream and rage so from <laughs> a keyboard, you know, because you know you got 32 uh, columns and it wraps and you know the editing is clumsy and so I wanted to enter the basic program on my Cocoa Pie and then with uh, convert it with, with Toolshed to the right format and then mount it with uh, my drive wire cable onto a, uh, and my Cocoa SDC 
uh, on a disc mounted on my Color Computer 3 actual hardware. Um, so I did that. And, you know, I, I typed in a, you know, 10 print, hello, mom, this is my first program, uh, and got that over on the Color Computer 3. And I said, wow, that's really cool. But, you know, as long as I'm doing, you know, uh, sending it over there, why don't I send it through a preprocessor, do some uh, interesting things with it. So let me share my screen. Let's see. Let's this one. Share that one. Okay, can you see the screen now? There, oh, not yet. There should be some. almost, almost. My uh, there we go. So, yeah, now oh. I can see it. Yep, there we go. So, um, so this is what I'm typing in over on, on the Coco Pie, uh, and it's like, well, I don't have to do. I don't want to have to do any line numbers, except if I really have to, and uh, so basically, you know, this is just like a junk program that I'm testing with. And then uh, what that translates to and gets sent over to the actual hardware is the thing that you see in the bottom in sort of cyan color at the very, yeah. very bottom there. Yep. It's all squished together. It has continuation statements. Uh, everything's converted to uppercase. Uh, and uh, that's where, and it generates line numbers sometimes when it has to. Uh, this is not really ready for prime time yet. Still got some bugs. But that's what I'm working on, and I, I thought it was interesting. And yeah, and there's like zero spaces in there too, so your your cocoa code right. is uh, very compact. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's cool. what people oh. did when they typically when they typed in uh, uh, basic programs, people had so little memory that they didn't want to put in spaces because that would take up you know extra whole fifteens of bytes well, that yeah. you didn't really <laughs> need to use. Also, you don't and you don't en enter the the, the when you were uh, typing in stuff from the Rainbow Magazine, you know, you didn't put in the comments, you know, because who needs that? Right. So you yeah. notice it strips out all the comments. Uh, also, it's got, uh, I didn't know this, but on the Cocoa Pie, it's got really fancy uh, syntax highlighting. So yeah. You see all the different colors. Yeah, very all pretty. The, uh, you know, the, the comments are in blue and the keywords mm -hmm. are in yellow and, and uh, it's got uh, cyan for the uh, functions. Uh, and those come from those are specified by a uh uh like a parameter file that's tucked away hidden away uh but that parameter file was done for q basic back in the day okay so it sort of worked for color basic and it sort of didn't so i took that parameter file and i redid it so that um uh so it understands you know discontinued extended color basic and all of the vagaries of that uh, and I'm going to share that with Ron Klein so it'll go in the next Cocoa oh, Pie neat. distribution. Neat. Oh, cool. Neat. So I will stop sharing. Okay. And you can take over from there. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. One of the pet projects that I want to get into once I get my MC10 hooked up and everything is I want to come up with, similar to how we have the ultimate SDC image, I want to come up with the ultimate um, MC10 image that works with the MC server off of um, Pi Drivewire, because according to Jim Gary, not all of his games will run in MCX128 with the uh, extra memory and extra modes, because he's doing a lot of a lot of pokes and things like that, where it won't work in the um, MCX basic that uses the MC uh, like Drivewire type command. So I want to figure out what games will work. There are also some. Uh, minutia of how certain WAV files 
will or will not work with the MC um, from Pi Drivewire. So I want to just kind of through trial and error come up with a bunch of programs that will work that I can run basically over Drivewire on my real MC10 in play and come up with a nice little directory structure. And once I get all that stuff figured out, then I can give that to Ron Klein where future updates to Cocoa Pie will have where you can run your MC10 um, from, you know, all, all, on the, all on the Pie because the, the, late, the next build of MAME is also going to support um, MCX128 commands on the MC10 in MAME. So in the very near future, hopefully all of my discovery and organization of finding files that are compatible um, I can roll that up into the Cocoa Pie so other people can play all the Jim Gary games by using a very easy to navigate directory structure of loading things in and playing with them. So that's one of my pet projects is as, as I go down the, the road of MC10 discovery. So um, it's been way too busy to get started on that this week, though. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. cool. What else? Have we missed anything? No, uh, one last thing. Oh, Ron Delvo, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> has a little something, something for us. I lost 27 pounds so far, just really? uh, cha changing my eating habits. Oh, well, what, what, what did you change? I have a, I have a neck now. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations, man. Congratulations. Yeah, well done. Yes, congratulations. Have to, uh, What's your secret? That is awesome. Looking? Yeah. What? It's uh, based yeah. off the um, South Beach diet. Okay. And uh, we've been on it eight weeks. Okay. And uh, doing good. Good work. Good for you. Yeah. Did you say what? Twenty something pounds? Did you say? Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. That's a yeah. That's a good effort. That's a really good. Effort. Yeah, every time, every time I, uh, yeah. every day I mm -hmm. write down my weight. Wow. Energy was, energy levels must be I, a lot better, are they? I was huge. I started at three twenty-one point nine. Oh wow. Yeah. Now I'm down to two ninety-four zero. Oh wow. Good for oh, you. That's, yeah. That's awesome. I, I do have one question though. Does, that, does your does your uh, diet plan include cocoa pie? <laughs> <laughs> uh, without the smoke, yeah. <laughs> I lost enough lost enough weight once that uh, uh, the, the, at the doctor they weighed me and the computer said, "Do you have the right person?" Because the the weight is, has changed too much. Wow! They, they told me about that. Wow! So wow. I mentioned that on the way out to the reception. She said. Uh, Wow, what's your secret? And I said, eat less, exercise more. And she said, oh, that. Oh, that. Oh. <laughs> you mean there's not just a pill I can take? <laughs> yeah. There, yeah. Is, there is, but it'll kill you. No. <laughs> you're no fun at all. Uh, you're one of those. <laughs> I, used to, I can relate totally to that. I used to. I actually used to work as a, a strength training coach and a, a power lifter and a... Um, and a uh, uh, personal trainer back in my uh, previous life of craziness. Wow. wow. <laughs> although in all honesty, say... I must say that, you know, I, I, although I did lose weight, I found it again. Ah, you found it. Right, okay. <laughs> there you go. Not yeah. as much as I lost, but okay. it's... It was all sitting in a box at the back. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Do we have any parting thoughts or final words before we press the button, Frank? Anyone? Anyone? Parting thoughts, final words. Thank you all for the show. I'm glad I made it. I thought I was going to pass out there a little while earlier, so I ended up making it. Thanks, Mark B., for trying to pick up the ball. Um, all right, I'm going to play the credits, so you have about a minute and a half to think about parting thoughts, and then we'll go ahead and put a fork in the show. Thank you, everybody, for being here today in the live chat. We've had Mikey. We've had James Jones. We've had Ken 
Riker, Dave, Phyllison, Leo Hack, and Mixer is out there. Hey, Leo Hack, Mark Overholzer, Ken Reichard. Uh, Nick Marota, Coco Man, and Dave Phillipson, and Nimble, and Steve Rasmussen. That's Buck Owens, for those who don't know. Explore VR, Ben Drakes was out here. Davey Mitchell was out here earlier. And Robbie Inman was here. Dave and Sharon, Davey Mitchell, Canadian Retro Things was here. Frodo NL, Aaron from the Amigo Retros Gaming Group was here. Tom C. from Jersey was here. Um... Sixy Karen Anscom, author of X-Roar, was here. Mark D. Overholzer, Mike Craig on Facebook was here. You name it, they were here. They came out. We hopefully did not disappoint too much. And for those of you who we disappointed, we're sorry. We're going to play the outro, <laughs> and we'll be back here in just a minute. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk is rocking the 8 bit world, keeping the tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop. Cause Coco Talk is rocking the 8 bit world. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click the Patreon link at our website at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the tiny flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Coco Talk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Marenkis, Rondell Vaux, Rick Adams, Jason Riker, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Tom C., Rob Inman, Mark Bosley, Brian Joyce, Ken Riker, David O'Connor, Brian Weasler, Terry Stegney, Nick Marota, John Strong, and many more, especially to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and James Diffendaffer for making my head explode. Please help support the Coco community by visiting some of its various contributors. A list of resources is available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot com. The Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. And we can't we can't not close out the show without sharing with you the very dreamy. It's this is like a chocolate cake with chocolate frosting. This is the dreamy, the decadent Nick Marota here. This is just uh, sensory overload for you all. Uh, thank you, chocolate. thank you all for being here. Final final thoughts. Who wants to have the last word? Anyone? Oh, anyone? I have, I'll I'll say something. Yes. Hey. Um, there's talk about Cocoa Fest. Okay. The end, before the end of the year. Have you heard anything? 
nothing official. I know there is there are, there is the intention and the will for there to be a September-ish. September-ish. No, I have not heard mm-hmm. that. I, well, I don't have a second wave. <laughs> yes. So, well, hopefully as we get some more facts available, we'll be able to share those. But that would be great if yep. we could have a Cocoa Fest this year. Absolutely. It would be Absolutely. great. Absolutely. It would be good. Very much so. Um, On the birthday of the Cocoa. Ah. Yeah. So, I got one. Yep. So I don't know. I I kind of want to. Um, I don't know. Rick Thanks, Rick Adams, Adams, are you still there? Rick. Okay, well, you're muted. muted. I can't hear you. He's muted. Okay, so before we go, I made I made a commercial with you in mind, and I'm not sure if you've seen this one or not. So maybe this oh, will well, be the final I'm thing. Here. Uh, maybe we'll see the maybe we'll make this the final thing that we play. But I know how you were saying you just you this love when you say these trying times and these difficult times and all these things like that how you mentioned that <laughs> yeah so i made a commercial with that in mind so we'll go i don't know if you saw it before so we'll go ahead and we'll try to play in that these right now difficult trying in uncertain times the world has changed <laughs> the way we work travel and interact has gone digital tandy and radio shack have been using safe social practices and empowering people with technology to work remotely for over four decades. Coco Talk has been meeting online with Skype, <laughs> Discord, and Zoom to safely connect people for years. When you want safety, technology, and social collaboration, turn to Tandy, Radio Shack, and Coco Talk. Innovating by example. There you go. And, and there you have it. All right. So <laughs> on that note, we are going to press the button. Matter of yeah. fact, I'm not even sure anybody press else saw the button, that. Frank. We're pressing the button, Frank. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Later, all.